0: This is the Cinnabonks Podcast Collective. songs about rainbows and what's on the other side. Leave you sound good. Rainbows are visions, but only illusions, illusions. and rainbows have nothing to To hide. hide. What's so amazing that keeps us stargazing, and what do we think Think we we might see, Liam O'Donnell? Someday we'll find it, the The Rainbow Rainbow connection. Connection. For lovers, the, the dreamers, dreamers, and Liam. Um... La <laughs> <laughs> Dreamers. And Dude, it's a perfect song. It's a perfect song. Seriously, it's greatest well, song ever. We know
1: that it's probably. Mad. That calls the young sailors
0: The voice might be
1: one and
0: the same
1: I've heard it too many times To ignore it It's something that I'm supposed to be Someday we'll find it The rainbow connection The lovers, the dreamers
0: Alvarez and I'm Liam O'Donnell, and you're listening to episode 72 of Cinepunks. I don't know why I think that my
1: I sound more radio voice when I like do that weird. It's like in the top of my mouth.
0: Oh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Liam O'Donnell. That's good. It's that's very how little, the
1: Frog. That's how little I think of NPR. That that's my <laughs> NPR voice. Oh, I feel like it'd be better if I was like, "Yes, I'm Liam O'Donnell,
0: <laughs> <laughs> the college DJ." Is um, that the college DJ? I feel like my college DJ voice uh, is like, oh,
1: right, y'all, so. Uh, <laughs>
0: I remember when we were younger, it would be like, that was side one, Eli, by ordination of Aaron. Side one of the ordination of Aaron, seven inch, Eli. <laughs> turn
1: it on once. I turn it on once, and this guy's, and it comes, I hear this guy comes on, uh hi, <laughs> hi, everyone. Um, I, guess, uh, <laughs> I guess you were just listening to the paper. Of the His Hero Is Gone record. Uh, I had to I had to get a smoke and I guess I guess that record's a little shorter
0: than I remember. So <laughs> That's um, hilarious. Well, you know who my I favorite comments are. I guess we'll DJ just go is ahead on. and listen to the other the other side of that record. Side two.
1: Yes. This is side two of His Heroes oh, Gone. Is gone.
0: <laughs> Memphis, Tennessee Crust, <crossed>, you know. <laughs> That's was
1: shit, dude. Or it was the reggae show. Oh, the reggae like, show. You, you get a minute of a song Big Up! <laughs>
0: Shout out to what Oh, good. And
1: the best is that they'd be, they'd be like, they would, they would be like, big up the brethren, <laughs> John's shoe store,
0: big up to
1: the Tom's Taco Man. Shack. That's amazing. They would say the names of the businesses that they were big upping. I guess people yeah. gave them moolah, which I don't even right. know if that was allowed. Dude, but they would get the moolah, so they'd have to say the name of not, the places, not in the reggae voice. <laughs> Not in the, (laughs) the... There was also, I don't know if you remember this, there was the early Sunday they had a reggae show, but it was the Jesus reggae show. No. Yeah, they had a Jesus reggae show. Good
0: Lord, Jesus reggae. That's not good. Is that not Ja? No, I mean, it's like very specifically like evangelical. Oh, wow. That's good, man. You just reminded me of the Bush babies. You remember the Bush babies? Yeah, sure. Dude, how they had the one Jamaican guy that like didn't rap but just was like, it about, it about, Oh, just say like all yeah. these weird Jamaican sounds. I mean, I'm just sure there's here. actual stuff. We're like kind of demeaning a whole culture. So we yeah, I know that's fucked up a little bit. But that said, the Bush Babies is one of my favorite.
1: No, yeah, no, we don't get us wrong. We Dude. might we might be demeaning Jamaica, but we are not demeaning the Bush <laughs> Babies.
0: Mister Man. Come on, that was his Mr. name. Man.
1: Was that his? Was that
0: was he, Mister Man? Mister Man. I remember the, the I
1: remember the names a and, little bit, but Lee I don't Majors remember who Mr. was Man. what. Lee Majors, Mister Man. Dude, so good. Also, one of the early Bush Baby songs I heard had Most Def on it. So the first yeah. time I heard Black Star, I thought Black Star was his other project. Oh wow! Like I thought he was one of the Bush Babies. That is
0: hilarious. Yeah, dude, that was the best record though. Out of context, this whole conversation is offensive. It's just weird. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but dude, the one Q Tip song on there, three MCs. Oh my god! I guess we should say welcome to episode seventy-three of Cinepugs. Oh yeah, it, it has no. Been it's
1: seventy-two. Seventy-two.
0: Here's the thing, Liam. I haven't seen you in like so long.
1: I know. You know. This is going to be if you were hoping to tune in to this episode of Cinepugs and get some really
0: precise, razor sharp analysis, <laughs> criticism, just us on our top game. This is not what you're. This gonna is get. not. Look, it, it, I haven't seen Liam since September twenty-second. You've seen. No, I've seen you. We haven't podcasted since September 22nd. Well, and even then, you've only seen me like twice since September 22nd. I didn't know that you started wearing, you know, kiss makeup. It's weird, but I accept you. I like the cat one. I do respect that you are, you know. I'm trying to go for the cat one. (laughs) You look like a cat. I'm just saying. It's a fine line between kiss makeup and Juggalo. I just feel like I should say that to you as your friend. But it's cool, man. It's cool. (laughs) I mean, as long as I look like the cat one, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, you look like the cat one. Uh, it's
1: cool. The problem is I keep getting all this makeup on the microphone. It's so gross. I know, it's
0: weird. But uh since we've seen me, I- I've grown dreadlocks. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. It's, it's all getting w- in my eyes. I've always wondered what <laughs> what the
1: bald dreadlock would look like on you and
0: now lo and behold, wonder no more, sir. It's nope. weird it's weird. Wonder that there's, no more, cat man. It's,
1: it's weird that the top of your head is just one <laughs> very sad
0: lock. <laughs> And then the rest of the locks are below the hemisphere, so to speak. That's uh you know it's it's a combination of Friar Tuck and uh, Bob Marley, voicing both my admiration for the Robin Hood stories, sure and uh, legend. Greatest I feel like of what you just described of Friar Tuck and Bob Marley is like my that's like my guide in life. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah, be. that's you somewhere know, between. Throw a couple of woolly socks and Birkenstocks in there. That's you, right? If you could
1: have Friar Tuck and Bob Marley, but straight edge, that would be me. <laughs> That's amazing. What an amazing hybrid you are. Uh, so, yeah, what's been going on in your life? Let's do a check-in. Let's do a check-in. Check in. Check-in episode. Let's go ahead and check-in. Let's go ahead I and, mean, we have an agenda for we know, episode know We, we have a very serious topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so but, serious.
0: Very serious. So, topic. so serious. But it's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, we like to pretend that our audience cares about us as humans. <laughs> I know it's weird. I know it's weird, but stay with us. It's part of the artifice. <laughs> We like to. It's part of our. Part of what we tell ourselves to continue going. Seventy-one, seventy-two episodes later. Affect?
1: Is that what I want to say? It's part of
0: our affect, perhaps. Okay, that works.
1: Uh, Josh, what's been new since you? What is? What has occurred to you over the month of October and most of November?
0: I turned forty. Woo! Jesus Christ, man! Forty years old, dude, Mister John. What happens? (laughs) Forty? Jesus Christ, man! I know. I know. It's just a day over. You know. It just feels weird. Forty years old, man. Never thought, you know. I think
1: after you're 21, it goes okay. 21, everyone makes a yeah. big deal 21 because now you can drink,
0: right? And even then,
1: if you're straight edge, you're like, okay, well now, 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 like, now at least if I stay straight edge, it's for, for a reason edge. and yeah, not yeah, just yeah. like because not I, just because yeah. I couldn't get alcohol, right? Right. Then the next big one seems to be 30 but at this point 30 seems to almost be like a formality like whoa I'm 30 now <laughs> but most people by the time they're 30 have lost the illusion that 30 is old right I'm sure we have I know we have some younger listeners maybe you're 26 27 you're right. thinking when I hit 30 it's gonna be this big fucking deal so let us tell you right it is now, a big deal you did it no it's good not work deal you no it's fuck not a big you deal. it's yeah. nothing no the, the it, the when you' when you're 25 you think when I'm 30 life will be so different when you turn 30 you think, where did those five years go? I'm the yeah. same person I was. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe not. I mean, you grow I mean, I definitely was more mature at 30 than I was at 25. But, right. But I really thought 30 was a significant thing, and it's not. But I feel like then the next one is 40. Well, 40 is the demarcation for Over the Hill. Right. To which. Which doesn't make sense, right? Because we're living past 80 now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And fact of the matter is, for my 40th birthday- I saw the Hot Snakes. I saw Strike Anywhere. I saw Hot Water Music. I don't know. I moshed. It was cool. You know? Had to take a couple extra stretches. But otherwise, you know, we we're all right. You feel like- Didn't die.
1: You feel like at 40, you're still pretty active.
0: I kind of think that I am. I'm just going to say it. You know?
1: I don't think there's anything wrong with thinking that.
0: No. I think I'm right, too. So, you know, still playing in bands, still doing things.
1: You're still doing jiu Still doing jujitsu. The skydiving subscription is still, still not, uh-huh. you know- you're, you're known for your parkour. It's true.
0: It's true. And my parallel parking skills unparalleled in the city of Philadelphia? Jesus
1: Christ. <laughs> you still don't have a driver's <laughs> license. <laughs> I know.
0: That's the joke. We're but recording
1: cool. we're recording in beautiful Easton, PA. In
0: beautiful Easton in the the O'Donnell basement
1: bunker. Bunker? it's nice in here it's nice in here. it's a little messy right now but nice, there was are some design elements it th- thought, <laughs> design elements is thought, what i like thought, to call went, it. thought went into how it <laughs> looks in here but then it, it, you know what's crazy is like when you put things away and you set things
0: up and you make them yeah. look attractive
1: then you have to like maintain that
0: right yeah i mean which takes just about as much work as it does to put it there in the first place
1: and like when you were uh when you uh don't have a baby yeah. That's not so hard, but babies, like, all these things
0: belong to me, and yeah. I shall smush or smash
1: or eat them as I feel.
0: It's like the Tasmanian devil, but like shorter and cuter. Yeah. I Less mean, fur. Yeah. Yeah. I get it, man. I get it. It's cool. They're, they're about equal cute,
1: actually, I would say. <laughs> um,
0: okay. So, what else is? So, you turned 40. Yeah. I turned 40. Um, Cross Keys put out our first EP entitled oh. I'm Just Happy That You're Here finishing up on the solo record which is entitled the lonely friend comes out on december 8th Mm -hmm. which uh we will be uh promoting maybe or not i don't know it doesn't matter you know it's cool you guys play shows sometimes yeah sometimes we play shows and um other than that just been missing you man haven't seen you in so long you know i appreciate that no you're like one of my best buds yeah it's been kind of
1: sad well and i think i mean don't be wrong as far as I'm concerned, most of this is your fault. Like if this is people totally like, true. people I are totally like, what's that? going on? I'm like, well, mostly Josh is an asshole. Right. And that's what the totally issue true right here is. I own it. But just there, saying, but I have to say, there's a small part of this is the fact that I'm also really busy. So like, yeah. even if it's hard for us to schedule recording, it's also hard for us to just like hang out, just like, to be bros. Sometimes it just hasn't just really. I hang. mean, uh, people who listen to the show know we live far away from each other. Not far. It's it's not far away. I guess if we lived in like say California. Yeah, that'd be a bummer. And you were like, yo. But you know I mean? But I mean, even different parts of the country. There are parts of the country where the distance between where we live, which is about 58 miles, mm-hmm. 54 miles, something like that. About an hour and a half, two yeah, hours. drive. it's like NBD. Mm-hmm. Well, it's that much because there's no direct highway. Right. 54 miles should be like an hour. Right. But right, there's right. no highway between Easton and Philly. So I no, there is not. Work. I think in other parts of the country, being 50 miles away from your friend would be like NBD. Like <laughs> you like, just drive you, yeah. you you gotta drive 30 miles to get to the grocery store so,
0: so an what, extra 20, 20 miles, miles to extra. hang out with
1: your best bud is not a big deal but around here it's just denser so when I'm yeah. like yo I gotta drive an hour and a half people are like why <laughs> to what end is there gold on the other end of that <laughs> hour and a half because if not I don't know what you're doing
0: when you lived in South Philly my first bicycle ride outside of uh, north of Market was to your house remember oh how? is that right you yeah, yeah, yeah 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 but you ride, to the, you ride to South Philly now now I ride wherever but yeah. before when I just got the bicycle I was like, I'm going to Liam's house. And I I feel like when you got there, you were exhausted. And the pedal fell off. Oh, I forgot. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was awful. But it was a disaster. That said, you know, now I can't ride my bicycle to your house. You could. There are a lot of hills here. There are a lot of hills here, sir. There's so many hills. I feel like
1: you could get to Valley Forge.
0: I could get to Valley Forge, maybe, but then trying to come up the hill to your house, my heart would fall out of my asshole. Valley Forge is still
1: almost an hour from here. (laughs) (laughs) Like literally, like if you were like, "Yo, I remember back to Valley Forge, come pick me up." Yeah, you you would be waiting for like at least forty-five minutes. Um, So, so okay, so I've also been busy just to give you guys some stuff that I've been doing. You met Eric Roberts. It's true, motherfucker. Let's start with the stuff you know. Babies growing up, teething, that's been right. a thing. Work has been crazy. And yeah. um, side note, if you uh, have any opportunities in the High Valley area, <laughs> uh, send us an email at cinepunks at gmail.com.
0: Also, I big up to, to, to xlvacx.com. Oh, oh we can sponsors. do that in a sec. Let's do that in a no, sec. No, i just saying. No. We'll do it officially in a sec. Right, 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 right. Um, but the big thing, I mean,
1: here's the thing. The reason I say those things is because for the most part, Those are the things that I've been so busy with that, you know, uh, last year with the job, there was a little more uh, fluidity where I could, like, say, I'm going to take an afternoon, go record with Josh, come back. Or even at work, it's like, okay, over lunch, I'm going to edit this thing. But it's been so crazy. I, You know, any editing is at night, and a recording is usually on the weekend. And then you add into that um, a baby, which, you know, a lot of our listeners don't have babies. Some of them do, so they know what I'm talking about. But Uh if you don't, um, it's not actually cool. To say to your partner, uh, I know I've been working four nights this week, but then also on Saturday, I'm going to go to Philly without you. And see Josh record, record. for two hours and yeah, yeah, come yeah. back and you'll be fine with the baby, right? That's like not <laughs> that cool. So we've, Not a
0: thing to say that you should be it's, saying. It's hard. And, yeah. and,
1: and, you know, we will own that we should probably Skype more. But, right, right. Uh, no, I even
0: got the Skype thing, so. Yeah, we'll do it sometime, but it hasn't
1: been a thing yet. Right. However, one of the reasons that we were busy, um, we had planned to record like three episodes in October, Yeah, and then October wrapped up, and then Apocalypse came up. Right, and you were in Chicago. Yeah, so for those of you who listen to the show regularly, you may remember we had on a um, friend of the show, former guest, Josh Goldblum. Awesome, dude. When he was on, remember he didn't talk about Sin Apocalypse. We had him on long enough ago that Sin Apocalypse was not confirmed yet. Right. So we talked a little bit about Bruce Campbell, and he talked a little bit about
0: Awesome Fest. Yeah, yeah. Awesome Fest stuff.
1: But uh, but he didn't talk about Sin Apocalypse because it wasn't like solidified. Now I kind of knew that's what it was going to be is an event at Music Box, probably in November. Mm. Uh, he had gotten to think of that a little bit, but um, it hadn't been confirmed yet, so we didn't get the scoop on that. Right. Whatever. We've gotten scoops. We've had other yeah, scoops. We got some scoops you don't even know about, yeah, listeners. Um. So, but it, you will. It was at Music Box. It was a week. Uh, I couldn't go for the whole week, but I was there for the weekend. And um, people, like I said, who listen to the show, know I used to work for Bruce Campbell Horror Film Fest. With the switch to the new fest. A lot of stuff I used to do was like kind of like on site logistical things. Like I was helping with tickets or driving people around or getting volunteers. Music Box covers pretty much everything, even yeah. like drivers for artists. Wow. So you didn't take have to care do of any that. of that stuff. Well, so hence why he didn't hire me on to do anything. Right, right. So, however, in true Josh fashion, um, Josh Goldblum. Yeah, true. In true Goldblum fashion, <laughs> he, we had kicked around an idea that seemed kind of crazy which is what if we did a live Eric Roberts is the fucking man but with Eric Roberts like Josh was like so great wanted to support something I was doing so he went to the Eric Roberts thing because he thought what if we could get Eric Roberts but even at first it was like up in the air, and he was like, yeah. "Talk to Doug." I talked to Doug. Doug was like, "If you can do it, I'll do it." And I was like, "What movies can we show?" We and Doug suggested the ambulance. He corrected me on this. I thought that was my idea, but it was Doug's idea. <laughs> um, and so we're like, "Yeah, there Larry Cohen documentaries out. I guess this could work out." Yeah. And then when Josh was like, "By the way," you know, you're not gonna be able to come out for the fest to like work for the fest, which honestly is fine because with my own job and stuff. But then he was like, but <laughs> I got Eric Roberts. And at up to that point, y'all, like it was sounding like we probably would get Eric Roberts, but the fact that it became like a real thing was still a surprise. So awesome. So, um went Yo, out big there up to Josh Goldblum. Yeah. Man. So I went out there, we did the Fest. The Fest was great. Um I was like I said, I can only do like three days, but um I got to do this live. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. So if you get a chance, check it out. It's, I think at this point, still the latest episode, but we might have put one out. By the time this comes out, we might have put one out one episode, But it'll be clear which one is with
0: Eric Roberts. Right. It'll have Eric Roberts pictures. And you might have seen it on the AV Club. Covered by the AV Club. Yeah, you know. Might be on one of those uh, media outlets. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was great.
1: I mean, I'm, I just have to own that it was crazy. You know, my general stance is not to big up myself too much which is actually not as humble as it seems <laughs> because like I kind of want to be like look I don't need to pick up myself because people <laughs> should just know everybody I'm knows, awesome but AV this Club was way beyond but no but this is way beyond anything I actually need to acknowledge that this was amazing yeah. because it, if not it kind of comes across like I'm like I talked to Eric Roberts, no big deal. And it's a, it's a big deal. It's yeah, like so, and, and I had lunch with Eric Roberts and Larry Cohen. That's a big deal. So awesome, dude. Larry Cohen made fun of my breakfast. So I couldn't think of any. Larry Cohen's not as effusive. Eric Roberts is a very charming, funny, well, goofy guy. Like, yeah. very easy to talk to. So at lunch, Eric Roberts is just story, story, story. But I wanted to acknowledge Larry Cohen. He's the guy, one of my favorite directors. Yeah. He's really great. I want to acknowledge he's there trying to figure out what to say and i ended up saying something along the lines of like complimenting the stuff and letting him know that the scene where my man's mouth in the radio station the, yeah um,
0: oh when it gets all
1: bleh. yeah and yeah. it comes out of him i said that haunted me as a child he's he seemed okay with that he yeah. didn't seem he wasn't offended i don't think he was the best compliment he ever got but he was like okay cool whatever and then my breakfast came i had ordered biscuits and gravy uh-huh and Larry Cohen proceeded to roast me, saying that my breakfast is going to haunt his dreams. Nice, all this stuff. And then he went to the bathroom. When he came back, he did a whole fucking shtick <laughs> where he's like hiding behind a <laughs> pole and looking at the breakfast. It was a whole thing. Um, oh, Larry Cohen, so oh plucky! God, I was like, I can't believe Larry Cohen is roasting me right now. That's but so good. It was cool. It was cool. Um, so check out the episode. And uh, I think we did we we did an episode of. Eric is The Fucking Man, where we also just talked about the experience, and there were some behind-the-scenes stories and stuff, so check that out, too. But that was fun, and I, I wanted to lift up Sin Apocalypse* because we're going to talk about, uh, I'm going to talk about a couple of the movies I saw in Apocalypse* right. in our patented, patented, <laughs> featured uh, segment. segment.
0: Whacking, Whacking on, on track! track. Yeah.
1: Whackin on track, it's of been course. So long.
0: It's been so long, it feels so good. Yeah, it did feel really good. Yeah. Whackin
1: on track, of course, brought to you by Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Right. See that? I made it like they sponsored that oh, segment. That That's is cool. good. That yeah, is yeah. good.
0: Even though they sponsored the entirety.
1: <laughs> I mean <laughs> of you know, sponsor with quotes around it. Um <laughs> Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations is the premier screen printer, not only of the Lehigh Valley
0: But, but of America. Of, of the punk
1: world at least. <laughs> They, they do amazing work. They do work for everyone. They also have a merch site where uh, they sell merch for some of your favorite bands like Iron Sheet, Gloss, Hers, yep. bunch of people. I don't think they do Slingshot to Code anymore. But these do Slingshot to Code. Snowing. Snowing. Sure, 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 sure. I just think you should get stuff printed there. Um, we don't have a deal with them. There's no code. Right. We should probably work on a code, but I do think if you do order, I mean, first of all, wherever you are in the continental United States and Canada, Canada, you should order your screen printing from them. And I've seen all these websites, you know, like right now, fucking neighborhoodies is trying to be like, we'll print your band merch. Oh, Fuck them! Really? Fuck them! Oh, wow. You know, or whatever companies trying to be like, oh, we'll do you think? Fuck all those places. <laughs> Fuck every place ever. You should be getting your stuff printed by Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. They do all of our Cinepunks, Harbuses, Eric Harbis is a fucking man. They print all that stuff. They do an amazing job. You should do it. And when you order from them, you should mention Cinepunks. There you go. Technically, I don't think they care. I don't think no they're could. I don't think they're over there being like, no one's mentioned Cinepunks. <laughs> We're gonna cancel our sponsorship, which doesn't really cost us anything. But uh but I think that it would be cool if at least one order someone mentioned Cinepunks.
0: I was like, yo, I heard about this on Cinepunks. That'd be so great. Yeah, That'd be so yeah. great.
1: And I know people listen to the show who have things. Do you have a podcast? Print your shirts with Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, you dickhead. Get koozies. Get fucking hats. Get pins. (laughs) If you don't at least have pins, you're fucking up. Do you even know how to podcast,
0: son? Merch game
1: is whack without pins. Everyone hates your podcast because they don't have a pin. If you (laughs) send them a free fucking pin, they might subscribe to your Patreon. You dickhole.
0: (laughs) Wow, what's happening?
1: (laughs) This is my new marketing technique. Is insulting?
0: Yeah, listen to (laughs) your
1: ball bags. All right. Okay, wow. I'm just kidding. Lehigh Valley Pro Creations does not think you're a dickhole or a ball bag. Right, they right, they right. love you, and they want to support you, and they want to print your stuff. And they will help you. They have great artists. You don't have to have a finished design. They will do design work with you. They'll help you figure out what makes sense. If you're like, well, I don't know what kind of shirt I want or what kind of ink I want, they're like, it's okay. We get that you're stupid, and we're here to help. <laughs> oh, I'm such a
0: jerk. Yeah, it's good. It's good. All right, whacking on track. Who's going first? Who's going first? Go ahead. All right.
1: Go. Josh is saying that because he always has so much
0: more. I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot this time.
1: Okay. Well, I'm just going to highlight two things. Um, My two favorite movies from you know, Sin Apocalypse was great. Right. And I saw a few great movies. I saw a few movies I didn't like. I'll highlight my two favorite, and then I'll mention one is my whack that I did not like. Okay. Go. My two favorite was a movie called uh, Low Life. Mm -hmm. I think it's starting to get a little bit of buzz. Um, There's a picture going around of the director uh, at... I think it was at AFI Fest they showed it and Tarantino was there for the screening, which is kind of meaningful because the if I was going to describe the movie, I would say it's kind of Tarantino-esque. Yeah. It has a lot of, it's a little bit gritty like a Tarantino film. It's The dialogue is well-written like a Tarantino film, but it's a little more realistic. It's not quite the heights of verbosity you get with Tarantino. Right. But in the sense that it's literally a movie set in the worst parts of LA in which a bunch of people whose lives suck Mm. have a bunch of horrible experiences that end up all connecting. Um, In that way, it kind of reminded me of Magnolia because it's not- Which I've never seen, by the way. You're an asshole. Yeah. It's not clear at first how all they connect, but then you see it, and then the best part is when the characters realize that there's one character they all know who's kind of the architect of all of their suffering, Right, and now they're going to figure out what to do about that. But that all makes it sound very serious. It's mostly a funny movie. There is a Mexican wrestler who works as an enforcer. There is a white gentleman who gets picked up from prison by his black friend. And then you're treated to a car ride where his black friend wants to ask him about the giant swastika tattooed on his face. Whoa. But he's trying to figure out how to do that when his, this guy went to jail kind of for him, kind of took his rap. Whoa. So it's an intense conversation that is funny, but also kind of not funny. Um, and Low that's sort life. of how the movie goes. It's, it's, a, it's a movie that should be a bad sketch uh-huh. because all the premises are just fucking wackadoo, but the acting and the writing is so good that it has gravitas to it. Right. I mean, I'm making it sound maybe too amazing. I don't want to hype it up too much. But I was impressed by it. I met uh-huh. the director. He's very cool. And I laugh more at that than I do at like a regular comedy. And mm. I also felt kind of affected. There's like emotion to it, which didn't need that. It could have just been a goofball, yeah. dirty film. And it's so much more than that. Lola. It is, it is, Where, a, is wh- it a little harsh. So if you're sensitive to like violence or... Uh, degradation or these sorts of things. It's it's a, it's a gritty film. It's got Where when
0: is it going to be getting a release or what? No idea.
1: I don't even know what's been picked up. I don't know what the deal oh, is. Wow. But that you know, I think that that's when you should be talking about a film because then maybe someone will buy it because they yeah. hear about it. So, um, you know, go out there try to find a copy of Low Life if it's playing near you, go see it. I mean, I think it's definitely playing some venues, you know. Mm. So if you're in an area that's going to be showing it, I highly recommend it. Um, and then the other one I saw that I thought was pretty good, Not, I think Low Life I might like better, but it's a movie called Snowflake. Right. Um, it is a German film. Again, it kind of has some Tarantino-y 90s crime feel to it, but it also has a meta Charlie Kaufman thing going on and that I really liked. Um, funny, mm. violent, a little bit of gravitas as well. I think... Um, it's a little less charming in some ways in life. But it was filmed for no money. Mm-hmm. Literally $50,000. Wow. And it looks like a real... Maybe, I don't want to say Hollywood because I think the cinematography is better. <laughs> but I mean in the sense of it doesn't look like a super micro-budget movie. But $50,000 mm. in the realm of making a movie is like no money. At yeah, all, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I just think it's a, it's a bit of an achievement and people should see it. Um, mm-hmm. Go in with... Not huge expectations. It's not. It doesn't redefine films or anything, but it was super enjoyable. Yeah. So those are both my on track. Um, I saw some of the things. Thor Ragnarok is fine. Mm. I saw some horror movies. Uh, oh, one more thing. I, I recommended this on on horror business. So if the latest horror business, we'll be talk about it in depth. But if you have Shutter, I would recommend Hell House LLC. Yeah. I thought that was pretty good. Mm. Um, okay. Those aside, then my only whack. And, you know, I've, I've seen a couple of things that weren't great, nothing I really wanted to highlight too hard. But one of the things I saw that I didn't like and I feel like it, it qualifies enough as a whack, um, I saw this movie called, um, oh, oh, <laughs> shit. It's uh, The Terror of Halloween. So it kind of is like Tales of Halloween, or you know what like I mean, like an anthology kind of movie. No, it's not. But the the logo it makes me think of that. But I think it's, okay. I think it's actually The Terror of Halloween. Mm. You know, I, I was stoked to watch it because uh, it's a newer film with Eric Roberts in it. It's playing at this fest. Mm. Had a little bit of bzz around it, and I just really disliked it. I really, it really sat wrong with me. What um, was wrong with it? I didn't love the pacing of it. Mm. I really didn't like the main performance. Oh. I really felt like it, it's supposed to be a nostalgia film, and, and it just didn't, in the sense of like, you know, kind of like 80s worship. Mm. The director beforehand even said that, you know, it's very Carpenter-esque. Uh. It has a couple Carpenter songs in it. Wow, uh, He really pushes that they're original Carpenter songs, but I'm pretty sure I've heard them on, Other records before, wow! Uh, But nothing about it. The the cinematography is poor. The performances are bad. The writing is not my thing. And the whole theory of it. Overall, shit. It's not terrible like if i had just found it you know sometimes you just find something on the internet or streaming or whatever mm. you take a chance and it's like okay and you're like well that's fine it's not great yeah. but whatever or if i had had to watch it for eric roberts as the fucking man i might be like okay that wasn't terrible yeah. compared to some of the things we have to watch with eric roberts in it but at a fest we're like i could have been hanging out with people but i was like i'm going to commit to this thing and i kept thinking it's it's going to pick up it's going to figure itself out and it ends it does a thing. Okay, let's just say the spoilers, so right, if you're going right. to see it. But if you don't care to see it, it wraps up a whole narrative, and then it jumps forward into the future, but not as like a zinger. It's like the right. movie isn't over till it gets to that future oh, wow. scenario. Yeah. And I thought that was so fucking dumb. Yeah. That it made the earlier dumb stuff even dumber. Wow. If that makes sense. Sounds and also, like I just really don't like that. It's written in such a way where the main character is this, like, horror nerd who's treated really badly by all the normal kids. Uh. None of the normal kids are actually fucking normal. They're like old men. Yeah. But they're supposed to be teenagers. One of them is walking around in literally ripped bell bottoms and a
0: rush shirt. Nice. It's so fucking stupid. No stretch there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: But, um,. But I just – I didn't have any sympathy for this dude. It's like he basically is tricked by this evil thing into, like, getting revenge on these kids. And then, of course, the revenge goes further than he wants. And right. then you're supposed to feel bad for him because it was all a trick on him or yeah. I don't know. I don't just care. not feeling it. Yeah. I, again, I, I don't have a lot of other whacks, so I, I went with this. Maybe I, I don't it's, – it's hard to – criticize a movie like that smaller like that but Mm. i think it's a movie that's going to get out there into our realm like into our world of people and i just can't recommend it man i just didn't right fair enough did lore like it he wasn't there man oh
0: right i just imagine lore sees everything that's horror
1: no he sees a lot he actually brought up something check out the latest episode of horror business it's not up yet but it'll be up by the time this comes out um he Saw a couple things I had never even heard of. Oh, wow. He was just like, horror stuff he's watched lately. Just going for it. Yeah, he's you know he does try to keep up with stuff. But then there's also things that I hear about through the festival circuit Mm. that he'll like, it just never shows up on his radar. Right, right. You know, like, I really want to see Tragedy Girls. I don't know if that's something. I don't know what that is. Oh, oh, man. It went over big at Fantasia and at Fantastic Fest. Played some Apocalypse, but I had to leave early to go hang out with Sue, so I missed it. I hear it's really good though. Well, Sue's family
0: is out in Chicago, so
1: yeah. I mean, that was part of us going out there. If I'm like, I was only there for three days. It sounds like I just went to Chicago for three days. Yeah. We went out there in a sense just to visit her family, but I was able to coincide that with it. With an yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it tragedy. Been, girls. It would have been cool to do more of Sin Apocalypse especially because later they did some more action. It was a little horror heavy at first, which yeah. uh, you know I love horror. Yeah, but there were some retro screenings later, like they did like Foxy Brown, and they did. Um, oh, nice. Well, this is a horror movie, but Maximum Overdrive. and
0: First horror movie that ever scared me. Oh, my gosh. I know. I hey. was young. I was young. Hey. Hey.
1: hey! Josh, do you have some whacking on Track? Whacking on Track.
0: On Track. Um, Cross Keys EP, I'm just happy that you're here, has come out on Spotify and Bandcamp and uh, all streaming services. Uh, I got to say, big up to uh, a friend of the podcast and my bandmate, Andrew Welbrock. He uh, made 50 copies of the CD. Of the thing that we sold at a record release and we're like almost out of those and they look really slick and uh I don't know. It's a it's a really fulfilling experience doing this band with him and with, with uh everyone else in the band. Dave, Bo, and, and Steve. Like He seems like a good guy to be in a band with. Andrew is one of the best people to be a friend with. Sure. He is Seriously, one of like, the greatest things that's happened to me in the past decade. He's not one of the best people to have write for your website. Because <laughs> he'll do it twice. But it's cool.
1: He had a really... <laughs> I felt like he had a really good idea for October. And then it, he was like, this is it. I'm going to do this thing for October. And then it
0: never Andrew's also a lawyer, so, you know.
1: I don't care <laughs> about his career. No, no, I'll no. I actually
0: it. think Andrew Walbrock is great. But I, I mean, as far as being in a
1: bandwidth, he's the kind of dude who actually follows through and gets, as and, opposed to yourself. He's like an adult.
0: Yeah, yeah. He does like adult things. <laughs> See, it's weird. He, he wears does, suits and stuff.
1: Yo, straight up his vacation photos, I'm always like, yo, yeah. man, you do real vacations. Great crushing that dude. Yeah. Killing serious but um yeah he, andrew take me on vacation
0: dude he designed the whole cd like the jewel box and like the, sure all that stuff sure. and he is awesome so I, i'll never i i'll never be able to say enough of how on track that dude is like not only in like band scenario but in life like that dude rules. And, and the record so. doesn't suck so that helps. and the record does not suck yep. we um we've been getting um it's weird because we put it out and it's like you know i put out records in the past but like sure. it's never been like where my phone would be blown up from people being like yo this record is dope right and like with this one it came out and i just kind of figured it'd be like more the same and uh my phone was blown up and people I'm are excited, excited about it a bunch it. of people been reaching out to me which yeah, i really great. appreciate and like does that come never... with like show offers like are people offering you people gigs are offering a shows ship? but we're like we're we're on a little hiatus now to write so you know we don't want to just play the same songs and all that stuff so i
1: get that but you just put a record out
0: yeah, yeah, we did, we did, and uh, uh, I think you're doing it wrong. Yeah, we we do. <laughs> to be fair, I don't know anything about being in a band. Well, it's just one of those things. It's like we've been playing these songs for like the two years, a year and a half that we've been doing this. So it's like time to move on. You know what I mean? And you can ask your friends to come out only so much before they're like, okay, this is the, we need new things. So you know that's what we're working on right now, new songs. But the new songs are pretty good too. I gotta say.
1: I mean, I so, get that.
0: I think it's true. I think you
1: are being realistic that. You know, people only have so long, or they'll put up with the same stuff. But I do think it's fair to say, like, we just put a record out. Yeah, we got to let's play. play
0: a few shows.
1: Yeah, and we then played we'll...
0: we played a beautiful show at the because um... if you Creep write records, that my, was a good time. Here's my concern.
1: Go ahead. Let's say you do. You're on hiatus. You're writing new stuff. Right. You write a bunch of new songs. Right. You finally play a show again. What are people going to want to hear? The
0: old stuff. They're
1: going to want to hear what? They, yeah. Because yeah, it's yeah, not yeah.
0: old to them. They just got the record. You're right. You're right. You're right. So we'll we're, we're going to play more we're just taking like a month to just write a couple new jammers and then we'll, right. be, we'll, we'll we'll be back we'll be back what you know? what do you think if, if you were trying to put together
1: the perfect cross key show and I mean perfect cross key show right now not like a clear not like, like living or dead clearly of. living or dead jawbreaker you would play with Jawbreaker. that would be yeah. the perfect cross key show but no, I mean I think what's the perfect current perfect cross key
0: show all time would be us whooskerdoo and J Church, and Sam Ann.
1: Sure, but that's not what I'm asking. Right. Right now, more apparently. than you think more than Jawbreaker, really?
0: Yeah, because oh, dude, man. I love Cringer, I love j I'm not Church, saying like, I
1: get it. I'm just saying with the with the who the band is, I feel yeah, like Yeah, no, no, I feel no. like Job Jawbreaker, would Jawbreaker be like right fans there. would be like, "Oh, this is right up my alley."
0: <laughs> yeah. No, you're definitely not wrong. Bo, who writes a lot of the riffs is like a huge Jawbreaker fan. Sure. We call the chords he plays Jawbreaker chords, but that's not important. We shouldn't tell you that. No, that's bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, anyway. but as far as current like if you were gonna set up a show right now, you're like, this is the ultimate cross key show. The ultimate crosskey show, it would be sponsored by Yards Brewery. Yeah, that's right. Because you know, that's for Philly real. style. And um, I don't know. Who would we even play with? I that's a weird thing, like being old and, and and all that stuff. I don't even know, like I don't know, Menzingers? Like I don't even know who, you know, who we'd fit are with. Are they still a band? They are. I mean, yeah. you guys kind of straddle,
1: it seems to me, between
0: current sort of relevant pop punk and then like um beard core. Right. Somewhere between Chuck those two Del Ross worlds. actually from the Mad Splatter and Old R five dude. He uh, he was like, You guys sound like adult pop punk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, Man, who are we gonna play with? <laughs> that's the biggest anachronism I've ever heard. But to be clear, but,
1: that's a that's an addendum to the music. Right. When, when I say that, they sound like adult pop punk, what you may be thinking is full-on pop punk, but instead of thinking about girls, you're singing about your mortgage. Right. But that's not what I mean. I think no. musically, you sound like, do too like pop punk, but are adults. Yeah. And can write slightly more interesting <laughs> songs, slightly. can add some like interesting chords and stuff, who aren't trying to just play fast, or aren't trying no. to just write pop. Yeah. Like, your stuff is less... Sometimes when a pop punk band tries to get more complicated, all they mean is more produced and commercial. Right. What makes you different than pop punk is actually the mm, skill of the songwriting, oh. as opposed to just, we made it smoother and yeah. more, more. a lot more. of pop punk bands grow up by becoming
0: more uh, uh, palatable to normals. Right. Yeah. I don't know if we're palatable to normals, but I don't think we're that offensive either, so. No, it's know. not
1: that but it's not it's not music that you're like oh i don't think is... we're that abrasive or you're anything, not a you know? pop band though no no we're
0: definitely we're, we're, we're too, just like cock fat for or that or yeah shit like that yeah no definitely not us but um but yeah check it out it's on spotify it's on Bandcamp. and uh if you catch us at the show we have a couple cds left you know and uh still love it still fun still fun yeah so um doing that and that's on track and um I'm finishing up my solo record, which will be out sure. on December eighth, mm-hmm. just on Bandcamp. So that's been pretty on track. I saw. So here's the story. I told this to you over breakfast. I went and saw the Justice League. Oh yeah, and I did not think it was awful. Sure. Now, here's the thing. I work at a hospital, and um, you know, when you work in places like that for so long, you're entrenched with people who uh, have. You know, as you as you go through the years, you learn more about your coworkers and stuff. There's this one gentleman who works in the pharmacy department with me, or, or the pharmacy department in my hospital, not with me, I don't work in pharmacy, but anyway, um, and he's like an older gentleman, he's like, you know, in his 70s, and he was telling me, he constantly gives me movie suggestions, and he's like really big on like the Turner Classic movie tip, you know? So he always like, he's the one who told me to watch Gilda, and he's the one who told me to watch Attack, and he he told me to watch, you know, like Hup, like all these older like movies sure. that probably I wouldn't have watched otherwise, right? But you probably should
1: if you run a movie
0: podcast. Yeah. If I run a movie podcast, yeah, there's really no excuse for not seeing all, you know. I mean,
1: I haven't seen any of those. but
0: but I, <laughs> They're great. I'm, I'm sure they're on the list of things that people are like, you know. Gilda's Liam, amazing. Liam, you got to see Liam's a, Liam's a poser because he hasn't seen blah, blah, blah. <laughs> which, I mean, the list goes on and on of why I'm a poser. But anyways. So uh, he's been waiting for this Justice League movie since the last time the Eagles won a Super Bowl. Which, like me, if you don't know that, that's like 1960. So I got the trail the screeners from uh, Allied and Justice League was on there and um, they had two screens. So I gave Ren one of them, and uh, I took the other one for me and Dennis, who's um, the pharmacy dude. And um, it was, I mean, the movie is just what it is. I'm sure there's you've heard a lot more smarter people talk about this movie way more in depth, and I'm I'm quite sure I'm not going to add anything new to the conversation, but. Seeing it with my friend, who's like you know an older dude, and he's been waiting for it. Like, dude had like tears in his eyes at one point. You know what I mean? Like, he was way pumped, and uh, I just felt really happy to be able to to take him to the movies and just hang out and stuff like that. So that was a pretty on track experience. It didn't for make me. you feel like he was a crazy person. No, I hang out with too many crazy people to to make that mistake ever. I appreciate you know? that. So you know, but um, whack, nothing I can think of at the moment. I've been doing pretty okay. Whack is. You know, still, Melani's in class now because she's in grad school, so um, I'm missing her an extra 20 to 30 hours a week. Sure. But but it's cool. You know, we're making it work. Oh, also on track, I played a show last night in Trenton at the Trenton um, Coffee Roasters and Vinyl Store with uh, Nathan Gray of Voice That's Fire and um, a dude named Kevin who plays in the band Spiga and a girl named Kelly who plays in a band called Molly Rhythm and uh, it was like three, it was four solo people, you know, and it was a good show. I didn't suck it up that bad. So, yeah. You know. I'm sure you were great. Oh, well, Liam, you're so supportive. <sighs> but, uh, yeah, so that was on track. But other than that, uh, the only other whack thing is I don't see Milani for an extra 20 to 30 hours a week, and I don't see Liam enough. Well, and that's a duel. That's a
1: dual thing. <laughs> we're both pretty busy. So, but I'm just
0: saying, that's whack. I I
1: mean, I agree. I mean, I I could say that, too, about a lot of folks. Like, uh, (laughs) Well, I don't think people remember, like, you know, when you have a kid, right? We're still in the stage of kid where it's like, yo. Just come to our house because right. we're. It's going to be really hard for us to get to wherever. And I still get all these cool event invites, and I appreciate that people have fooled themselves into thinking I'm still a human <laughs> and I'll come to their events. And I have come to one or two. It's not like I never. Like I. Yeah. I it's mean, not I like make, you're like some I mean, total it's, like hermit. I'm mean, making it sound like don't invite me. Please invite me. It's fine. But you understand know, that it used to be like I thought. Man, I can only get to like one event a week now, Yeah. and now it's like. All right, this is the one thing I'll probably do this month. So, I, you know, better, <laughs> I, one of the things I want to do, you know, I guess I could add this to my whack. You know, Killing Time played last night. Oh, in Brooklyn yeah. Brooklyn. Brooklyn. With Outburst and uh, who else played that? Uh, Crime Watch and oh, man. Uh, King Nine. It's a cool lineup. Yeah. I can't go to a show in Brooklyn. Come on. No. That's not going to happen.
0: You know what though, one thing that is on track for both of us is that we helped put together the book release for Freddie Alva. Oh, we at, didn't uh, mention that. We should, yeah.
1: yo, we sh- we're going to hype that up not just because it was cool that we did that. Yeah.
0: But it, but Y'all need to get out there you get this book. It's called, It's what's it called? It's called Urban Styles. Urban Styles. I have a copy of it upstairs. Graffiti in New York Hardcore. I got to get a copy of the book
1: and the special limited mixtape that comes with it. Nice. Which has a digital download. I don't have a fucking tape player. I'm a <laughs> hipster. Okay. But but it comes with a digital download of the songs and it's a right. bunch of bands that were mentioned specifically in the book. Oh, that's because awesome. the whole thesis of the book is just, hey, you have your graffiti books, you have your hardcore books. But this is a book about, those graffiti artists who were part of the hardcore scene. Yeah. Which, A, started way before you think. Like, there's a couple of people he talks to in the book that are actually like way early punk yeah. people. Yeah. Because yeah. I always think of graffiti and hardcore as like a mid to late 80s thing. Yeah. I think of Burn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. But he talked to a band, I think called Frontline. Oh yeah, it was from like '81. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And they had, they were all about graffiti for their, for their jobs. And it, he talks to a few people, a few artists. It's cool because some of the artists he talks to are like normal people, now, and were there. And yeah. some of the people he talks to are still writing. Like he, that's he amazing. literally. I think I don't know if it's two or three, but at the book event, they did a Q and A, and he talked about how there was a couple of artists he did who are completely anonymous in the book. Like they answer all his questions, uh-huh. but they only are listed as their graffiti name, and they would only be photographed like just their covering eyes, or, their faces yeah, yeah, yeah covering stuff. their yeah. faces. These are men. Some of them are approaching fifty, and that's they're like, amazing. "I have warrants, <laughs> so you're <laughs> not going to photograph me." And I, you know, as an adult, I should think that's stupid but I don't. Yeah, I actually no, think that's, that's fine. Yeah. It's, you're committed to something and I'm I'm still enough of a delinquent. I'm mostly a normal person now, but I'm enough of a delinquent to be like graffiti's pretty cool. <laughs> Even at the event, some of the writers he had at the event who were Philly writers, like yeah. one of them should have said like I don't believe in graffiti anymore. I don't. Wow. Think, I don't think you should damage people's property and and don't be wrong like if your way to get up is just to write on like a neighbor's house or something, it's yeah, fucked up. It's yeah. stupid. But the idea that you would go to a public space and the people eating the cost of your art are either corporations, corporations. or the government, yeah, I literally don't care. And the most <laughs> relevant example for me is trains. The fact that people don't bomb trains anymore is actually, to me, entirely a tragedy. Right. It's like, a definite like, part of that. I have no culture. sympathy for <laughs> SEPTA or. The MTA or or Amtrak or fucking anyone. Every train should have graffiti on it. (laughs) You know, maybe not at the point where you're inside just with a marker or whatever, but But, a lot of those train pieces were good pieces Yeah, and could even be better now. But whatever, let's... I mean, they also highlight... in the book, and I think at the event, they were saying, like, you have to understand that much like hardcore or anything else, graffiti is a diverse community. So, yeah. yes, there are plenty of artists. There are also gangsters and thugs, uh. people who for, for whom this is only about violence or only about being gang-affiliated. That yeah, yeah, yeah. that there's no effort from this document to completely sanitize the story. Right. That they really want you to know the diversity of it. That for some people, this is really an artistic expression. Yeah. For other people, they're looking for a fight. Yeah. But, wow. You know, it's
0: brutal. It's yeah. cool.
1: But it was so big up to our man,
0: Stephen DeLodovico and DeWolf Publishing. DeWolf. Pub, so, what is what is his partner's name? In uh, Karen? The, no. Uh, I mean, her last name is Wolf, hence
1: the name of the company. Yeah, yeah. DeWolf. Amy. Amy Wolf. Yeah. And Steve, or yeah, was
0: it Wolfling? Yeah. And Steve DeLodovico.
1: Yeah. They're great. This company seems to be great. They have new stuff coming out. But this latest thing, Urban Styles, it's a beautiful book. It really is just amazing. And Freddie Alva. He's a bit of an expert on a lot of different things. Yeah. Like like and I hope he can continue to turn his various expertise into paying things like this. Like yeah. actual products that awesome. should be on the world. And he's the nicest guy ever. He really is, man. He really Thanks is. Thanks to everyone who came out to the event. The event and also to fun. the
0: Crescent Street crew. Um Oh, they did it event as well, yeah. And uh Paul Bear and uh Jackie Brown. Um it's funny because Steve was like, Yo, d- can you get DJ equipment? Sure. And oddly enough, I was like Yes, I can, Steven. No problem. So uh, big up to Joe Burke, fellow nurse on PM6, who uh, put himself through college as a DJ and kept all of his shit in pristine condition. So when this came up, I was like, hey, Joe, would you want to rent your stuff out to my friend who's doing a party? Joe's like, yeah, no sweat. (laughs) Like, we just had turntables and shit That's yeah, awesome it's pretty funny man it's pretty funny but i couldn't
1: i unfortunately because i was at the event on friday i couldn't go to the event on saturday but i hear it was a lot of fun i
0: couldn't make either so you know i'm just glad to i mean have been big able up to, to
1: crescent street tattoo they're not sponsors or anything we just like them they're yeah good people gavin's my
0: man i love him and. And Broad Street um, breakdown, you know, like all those guys. Yeah,
1: big up to Pablo who mentioned me on the latest episode. Nice, just because I said something nice about him on Twitter. So he was like, <laughs> "Social <laughs> media update, Liam from Cinepunks." Blah blah blah. And like, I was like, "Man, he's going to shout out Cinepunks," but it was only because I said something nice about him specifically. Man, what does that, that say about
0: mentioned? your normal presence on Twitter? Like, I know, right? I right. Say you more say nice, nice things? things more, maybe. But I don't just know. about Pablo. <laughs> All right. Anyways,
1: All right. we're going to take our first break. Uh, we didn't even say what the episode is about. Oh, yeah. We're talking Mike. We're specifically going to talk about what we did was pick uh, one of his latest films, Blade mm-hmm. of the Immortal.
0: And we'll pick and one then, of his earlier films, yeah. Happiness of the Categories.
1: I think it's cool because they're very different movies and they're from very different periods. Um, and I think we'll have something interesting to say about both films. Or at least I hope so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Mike's is a... Director, who's really important that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet. Yeah, and we do love him. Before we take our break, uh, we want to say that we're not experts, so if you definitely to not this as a Mika expert. Sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thanks to everyone who sent us uh, research materials about Miquel, we were able to read maybe one eighth of those things, mm-hmm, and um, that was a good one eighth. Yeah, but 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 um, I feel like you know, if people were like, "That was covered in the book I sent you," like, "Yeah, I didn't have time to read the book, the whole book." <laughs> uh, but we read a little bit, uh, so we appreciate that, and we're hoping in the future to do more research like that'll right. be part of it. But we've done what little we can. Uh, we also <laughs> want to remind you now, since we always say it at the end, and it'd be good to say it now. Yo, rate, review, subscribe. Yeah, download. It really download, means download. a lot to podcasts like us. Hit hit up our Patreon. We have a lot of stuff on there that we'd love to send to you. Um, think about supporting the show. Um, and then, of course, the most important thing you could always do is tell friends about it. Whether that's IRL, <laughs> just look someone right in the eye and say, <laughs> or via tweets. Yeah, you can just look someone in the eye and say, "Hey, hey, cinephile, buddy, hey, friend, <laughs> hey, compatriot, hey, family member, hey, comrade, have you listened to Cinephile?" <laughs> Because you, you should. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, Twitter's good, Facebook, Snapchat.
0: Just holler at us, man. It's all Put it good. on your
1: LinkedIn. Yeah, man. Just, just do say, that. like, hey, also, I listen to CinePunks
0: And you should make it your job to do so as well. I appreciate that.
1: So we're <laughs> going to take a quick break when we come back
0: after the break. Blade of the Immortal and Happiness of the Categories.
1: All right. All right. Be right back. Stream with all the fear behind Nothing all that
0: <laughs> to find my way. I've
1: been lost, too confused, to see the way my energy
0: flows with the truth. Say. Was Yo, so Justin Gray was at the Strike Anywhere show. Two things that happened. Number one, way more people were psyched on Strike Anywhere this time than the last couple times that we've seen them. And, um, you know, I never see Justin, even though we're practically neighbors, right? Sure, 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 sure. So, Strike Anywhere is playing, and me and Justin are in the pit together. Talking to you, Mike. So, me and Justin are now in the pit together, and we're fucking moshing. And after one song, Justin steps to the side. He's like, yo, that was fucking terrifying. (laughs) And I was like, don't worry about it, man. You're doing good. But in my head, I was like, yo, that was fucking terrifying. So hot water go on. And as soon as they start, I run up into the pit. And a nine foot tall, beautiful woman, like flowing auburn hair, gorgeous, tall lady, punched me square in the solar plexus and I almost died. I stopped breathing. Yeah. During you know, what song? I don't even remember what song because all sound went quiet on me because I thought I was gonna die. She punched me so square and solid in my solar plexus that like it winded me.
1: It I just, was don't like, feel mm. like,
0: just don't feel like hot water is a punching a guy in the chest. Me song neither. Like is the other thing. Oh so 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 hot water are going on and um I literally wait for about like ninety percent of the set to before I recognize one song. And I go out. Because they were playing new stuff. All stuff. So I go outside and Thomas is there. And I was talking to Thomas and Joe. And uh, uh, Thomas is like, Don't you love this band? And I was like, Yeah, but I don't know any of these songs. And he was like, So do you know Hot Water Music after 2004? And I was like, Nope. And he was like, You're not going to be sucked on the set at all. <laughs> I know them. After
1: 2004. No, I only... What I don't know is 2012. Remember they put out a later record and then they went mm. away again and then they yeah. came back with a new, new record? That
0: the wheels fall off or whatever? The new, new record. I don't know a single song from it. It's yeah. not
1: a bad record, but I put it on and thought, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like I just couldn't get stoked on it.
0: I'm not into it anymore. I mean, I still think they're awesome. Like The records that I love, I love, but I'm not going to learn new Hot Water Music lyrics it's just weird cuz it went
1: from they were a band who I thought I'm in for life. Yeah, every record is great. Even the record they tried to go more pop. Mm-hmm. I love that record actually. I was still No
0: Division or the one after that.
1: Way after that. They did three records that after No Flight Division. And a crash. I'm still yeah, I'm on board. Mm-hmm. But no there's Caution. a pop, they did a pop record. Did they? I say pop but I'm being diminutive. Right. Um, they did a record uh Around when you were out, two thousand five, two thousand six, right? That was way rock. Whoa. Not again, not bad. I liked it, but mm. um, and you know, I don't even necessarily love um, all their old stuff. So like uh, pre <laughs> pre forever, encountering what turnstile? It's fine. Fuel for the Hate Game is just fine. Fuel for the Hate Game is okay, but but um, was push that for the coin record? that wasn't the first record. Push for coin was the first, and then that's like with Claire it. Mill. Wow, again, I don't hate it either, but I feel like um, uh, Forever and Counting is my hot water record. Yeah, like, that's when I am no. actually like I get it invested. Okay, so I'm the reason I was a little bit um, killing time is I wanted to bring up their discography. Yeah, because I think hot water music. We're not talking about Miki right now. That's okay. We can always take this out if we don't. Right, okay. So, no, Fuel for the Hate game. These are, okay. You were talking about EPs. Studio albums, Fuel for the Hate game is not as good as Forever and Counting.
0: Disagree, but go on.
1: Then, Forever and Counting is their
0: best. Yeah.
1: No Division is really good.
0: No Division is awesome.
1: Flight and a Crash, which was
0: 2001, is actually really good. That's one that has trusty chords on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh,
1: Caution, 2002. Really good. Wow. Then the new What Next, 2004, that was the pop record. Yeah. Really fucking good. Wow. Then- they I didn't don't know rec- you were such a hot water super fan. Then they don't record anything again till 2012, Exister. Right. I listened to that record online, and I couldn't get up the nerve to buy it. And then they put out a record in 2017 <laughs> called, called Light It Up that yeah. I will not listen to and have not listened to. Wow. Uh, Ep's, you, yeah, push push for coin is an ep and that yeah. came out in '95. That was their first release. Then
0: eating the filler, yeah, dude, those seven Split inches around that Civil time Stick, were so good. tomorrow. I don't really know that many of them, dude. You know Alachua. You know, you know those songs. Mm-hmm. Those songs with the die. The seven inch had the die cut Hot Water logo on it it was such a beautiful seven inch and it was uh never ender and alachua and those songs are a ama- dude words of war that don't mean shit and with the words for nothing like that when that first line comes out it's so hard no i mean even up to the
1: 2004 record i was like hot water music is a perfect band they can't do anything wrong <laughs> wow um and i will be their fan forever and yeah and that record came out in 2012 and i was and like, like no thank you forever just came <laughs> there it is no thank you <laughs>
0: Hard stop, hard stop. And then even
1: going back, like I think that Flight in a Crash, um, The New What's Next, these records didn't also stick with me as well. When they came out, I was all about it. New What's Next, a lot of people were like, oh, they sold out. And I'm like, these songs are well-written songs.
0: I don't know if I'll ever be like, yo, that band's sold out anymore. Just because, like, I get it now, you know. Yeah, what I mean? like, totally. Like, whatever. I'm not young anymore, like, so I'm not ever going to be like. I mean,
1: it only becomes corny with certain bands, like, uh, like the first wave of punk bands that tried to become metal. Right. They weren't good enough bands to do that to begin with, and which they is got why they were corny. Punk bands. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to judge them for trying to be successful and be professional musicians, but I am going to judge them that what they did sucked. Yeah. Whereas, like, um, for example. Uh, a band that people say sell, sold out is that band Trash Talk, right? Mm. I don't love Trash Talk. It's not really my third thing. But most of their records sound the same. I guess the yeah. most recent one, which I haven't heard, is a little bit off. Yeah. But they put out a lot of records that sound very similar. The fact that they got popular by being friends with Odd Future, yeah, it doesn't make them sellouts. To be a sellout, one would have to try to be something
0: else in order to get famous. Or have to compromise some type of thing. Yeah.
1: They were... Yeah. I mean, all they did was continue to be uh pot head delinquents like that's who they were when you
0: liked them before so now they have more money to do it what has changed
1: as opposed to like a band like ceremony like i think they're fine um but they certainly changed their sound like if someone's like ceremony sellouts you know to be fair it doesn't really matter because they're not rich you're kind of critiquing them in some ways they didn't
0: sell anything out. Those dudes, I think, still have day jobs. Like, Yeah. Well, I will tell you the one thing that Ceremony has done that I'm completely green with envy over, mm. other than actually exist and be a real band that everyone likes. But um, Andy Nelson told me that they, they had a residency in L.A. They played yep. a string of shows at the observatory there, and John Reese played one set with them. Whoa. Which is like, what the fuck, bro? Like, wow. That's amazing, man.
1: I think also... The reason I brought them up was to say, not only do I think you can not say they sold out because it's not like they're making millions of dollars or anything right. like that. But I think it's also a band is going to st- have some sense of artistic integrity, right? Like mm. if they want to play different music, then let them play different music. Yeah, It's different to say we've grown. Maybe maybe a better example would be cave In, right? Right. cave In changed a lot, but I didn't get the feeling with the first change record, Jupiter. Mm. Jupiter's not a record... To make you famous. Yeah. No. You could argue maybe antenna was a grasp at trying to get popular because there's a little more poppy. Yeah. But still, but even Jupiter that. was very different, it wasn't radio friendly. No, no. one was like, you know, oh, this you, is Wonderwall yeah, by you, Oasis. You yeah, know? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It was, people weren't going, okay, you just heard
0: Coheed and Cambria and up next, cave <laughs> uh, in. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, college radio was, I'm sure. Yeah.
0: Well, anyway. Anyway, let's get back to the topic of him, my friend. What a weird interlude we just had. That's so good, though. That's so good. Hey, so
1: talk to me about your relationship with Mika. This is interesting because it's it's a bit fraught. Okay. Where did you get in? So we've talked. I, I, this is something that I think we should try to talk on the show about more because, and I think other people might have this experience, Sometimes I sort of uh, think I know my history with something, and then I remember things that I didn't remember before. Right. Oh, I did see this, or oh, I did see that. So, Miki really started because, for me and my friends, because we were on like a martial arts kick. Really? This all started because of DVD deals. Right. And at the Franklin Mills, that place? We would go to the one at the Cherry Hill Mall. Right, right, or right. Or the one at the gallery in Oh, yeah, Philly. under the basement, yeah. Mm-hmm. There were kiosks. So, so so you guys know, there were these kiosks. They sold DVDs. All their DVDs were bootleg. like They right. were not even close to legal.
0: They were all CDRs, yeah.
1: They right. made them look nicer. It wasn't like buying a bootleg on the street where it's clear what you're buying is not the legit thing. Yeah. These were... They had the actual cases and they, they had the cases. actual inserts. They looked real. Yeah. You would open it up, though, and the CD inside was not a legit... It was a
0: burned CD.
1: And what it was was that these were always... Asian films for which the copyright in the U.S. distribution wasn't clear. So like, you know, a lot of people got stoked, for example, on Hero, right? Yeah. But long before people knew about hero i had a copy i think i saw it over there of hero where all the titles are in chinese right and you luckily if your dvd player had a subtitle button you were golden yeah if you had to find the subtitles on the special features fuck no, you, you're yeah, never gonna happen yeah and that's where we dv deals is where we got these so yeah. we were going to dv deals because of two factors one jackie chan when rumble in right. the Bronx came out in theaters it changed our fucking world right wow you know? we knew about Kung Fu from back in the day. Like, everyone I knew knew Shaw Brothers. Yeah. this is on TV. Yeah. But the idea that there were new movies like that was like, it didn't exist. It wasn't a a thought in our minds. So, Jackie Chan. And then, honestly, Crouching Tiger. Right. When Crouching Tiger came out, all of a sudden we were like, whoa, there's all this. And we all saw Crouching Tiger before we saw Hero or House of Flying Daggers or any of those films. So, those, like, because of those, we were looking for things. So, the movie that really... Fucked us up then down this path towards Mike was Ichi? actually uh no 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 again, I'm not there yet. Oh. Is a movie called Versus. Oh I love versus. versus, yeah. And Versus is a kung fu zombie movie. It's actually on rewatch, not as great as when we first saw no, it. But definitely at the not. time it was Jesus. Time and place yeah. versus was the coolest thing you'd ever seen. Right. And because of that, we expanded outside of martial arts. For us, Asian cinema was martial arts. Right. Almost exclusively. Varieties of martial arts. The Jackie Chan is different than the Jet Li, is different than the Wushu, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was because of verses that we were like, oh, right, Asian horror. Now, there was one dude in my crew, Dave uh, Yu, who... uh, Who's Chinese and he had a bigger idea, but he was always, he was never looking for the release that we could watch. To he would just be like, "Come over and watch the Gambling Ghost with fucking Sammo Hung," and we'd go there, and there wouldn't be fucking subtitles and shit. And we're like, "Dave, this doesn't work." He's like, "Well, I'll tell you what's happening. It's really funny." <laughs> and That didn't fucking work, but there. That's was, But because of Dave and then um, my friend Josh Delacano, who's Filipino, yeah, he uh, he had a little bit of in with some of that stuff too, and 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 so. Before Miike, we were getting some random stuff, like in Chinatown, you know, yeah. we picked up Oroko Sudoji, which kind of fucked up, oh, us gosh. up. And, uh, you watched those? Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck that shit. We were on the anime. It no, was, I was, couldn't
0: get down with, like, the anime porn. I couldn't do it.
1: So then uh, a bunch of my friends had seen, because of this searching, right. one of the things at D V deals was the Miike section, in which there was always... Dead or Alive, yeah. Dead or Alive 2, Audition, and Ichi the Killer. Right. A bunch of my friends saw Ichi the Killer and were like, yo, this Miike guy's like ki- crazy. Yeah. So then I picked up, and if this was like the very first release. Uh, I didn't buy it, but I, I found a, um, a rental copy mm. of Audition. And that was my introduction to Miike. Wow. It was Audition, and then- That's
0: a hell of a place to start with Miike. It fucked me up, and I was yeah. like,
1: holy shit. Then I saw Dead or Alive, mm. loved it. Yeah. Dead or Alive 2 has the bestiality. That kind of fucked me up. Yeah.
0: It's not as good as Dead or Alive 1. And
1: then, I'll be honest, I have never liked, though I need to rewatch it, I have never liked Ichi the Killer. Yeah.
0: It's fucked up.
1: I, it got under my skin in a way where I was kind of like, maybe I don't like Miike. Maybe yeah. Miike is not for me. And then I saw, uh, well, he was only one part of it, but the three, what's that movie called? Three cuts. Th- yeah, three cuts, right? No, it's not three cuts. It's three. He did- he, he did, did the, dumplings. He did dumplings. Yeah. And dumplings is also fucked up, but I loved it. Like yeah. and that's the thing with Mike, 3 uh, extremes. Uh, 3 extremes. And that was my experience with Mike was that everything was fucked up. Yeah. But you either liked it or you didn't. You know what I mean? Right, Does that right, make sense? Right. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes perfect that sense. That might sound a little simplified, but whatever. Um the thing is is right about the time that Mike was coming into our world. Uh-huh there was about to be this J-horror and then subsequently
0: K-horror yeah. explosion. Right, because so, Boy was coming out at that time and the whole part- Even before out. that,
1: even before that. The host. Ringu. Yeah, yeah. Ringu, and then from Ringu, you get the eye. Yeah. You get ju and then over to Korea, Tale of Two Sisters, yeah. and whatever. That realm of Asian horror, for which Mike with audition, was the introduction. Yeah. Even though he wasn't really, I mean, his movies- in retrospect, a bunch of the movies that uh, came over here, at least, were not horror films. He was doing mm. more extreme action, more other things. Even audition, it's a horror film, but it's not it's your, not
0: your traditional horror film but, either.
1: But audition and and as I said, we started with verses, which is not really traditional horror either. Yeah. Uh, but audition really wet our appetites for Asian horror, and really prepped us then for. Ringu and Juan and all these things and things yeah. and things. Um and and again, I don't even know if the timing's right on the releases of these things, but that's mm. how they exploded in our life. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. like we had to go back to Ringu after the ring came out. Right. We saw the ring and we're like, That's crazy. Let's watch the original. And then the original's like, Oh wow, okay. You know, that sort of thing. Mm. So I say all that to say, Mike kinda got lost for a while. Yeah. Um he's done a bajillion films and a hundred a films. Fan, Anyone who's a fan knows he's done yeah an unbelievable amount of movies. But I stopped trying as hard. If a Mike film came up around me, I would check it out. Mm. And a long time ago, I say long, uh, ha- one of the movies we're talking about today, How to Corys," came out in 2000. Yeah. I heard about the film in 2005. I had a copy to watch at Ed Travis's house in 2009. Uh-huh. Was that 9 or 10? Ten? 10 when I visited him in Austin. Mm. He's like, you've never seen Happiness of Categories? It's the best Mike film. Yeah. I said, what? Really? No, I've never seen it. Oh, you gotta come over whatever. Um, but I did manage to catch uh, Gozu. I had seen. Oh yeah, Gozu's great. Um, what other ones? Did you
0: see Marabito? I did not
1: see Marbito There was another one of his that I saw. But still, these movies were weird and disturbing. And I thought yeah. of them as Mike is always pushing the album. Now, uh, Watching this special that's on Happiness of the Categories, there's like a video essay. It doesn't go through all of his films. But it gave me enough of a picture to realize, even before Audition, he did some movies that were not this extreme fuck. It's just, for whatever reason, the foreign audience only wanted the fucked up shit. Mm. And the stuff he did that was a little more palatable, like he did this one like Search for the, I think it's called Search for the Bird People or something like that. It's an adaptation of a popular Chinese uh, I don't know if you call it young adult novel, but it's mm. not. It's it's family fair. It's not right. like fucked up. That was huge. That yeah. movie was huge, especially in China. Yeah. Um, never heard of it until I watched this thing about Mika. You know, right, so, right, so right. in other words, it's not that his material his material always pushes boundaries and is always about outsiders, but it's not always full of shit and. Yeah, it's just weird gross, stuff. Yeah, whatever.
0: Chopping, raping. But that's what fucking... I knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: that is who I thought he was until, and I don't know if this is how it is with you, until 13 Assassins. Yeah. And something about the release of 13... I don't know why 13 Assassins got the release. We
0: knew about all these other movies he had put out. Right.
1: But 13 Assassins, I went to a fucking movie
0: theater. Like, yeah. It just... We well, had... he put out 13 Assassins the same time he put out Harry Kiri, and Hari Kiri was in 3D. Like, that was like that one... They came think, out, like, think, the same weekend. I
1: think 13 Assassins got the U.S. release, but it was made, like, Oh, right, right, years right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it got its... I remember hearing about 13 Assassins long before we could see it in the film. Yeah, theater.
0: no, me too. And
1: there was buzz around it, and people were like, Mika is showing his depth again. Yeah. I think he probably had actually done more accessible films before. I mean, even that Happiness as a category is fucked up, but it's not fucked up in the same ways, you know? But yeah. anyways, the point is, is that... Um, he kind of came back into my world uh, because of 13 Assassins. And then Mm -hmm. I saw 13 Assassins. I saw Harakiri. um, I finally went back and saw Ninja Kids. And then I've tried to watch whatever has been made available stuff. But Mm -hmm. through this project and talking to people, and again, we didn't do much research. We did a little (laughs) bit. You realize how much of his output, I mean, he's putting out movies all the time. Yeah. How much of his output is not making it to the U.S. To American, in any way, yeah. shape, or form. That, like, you're just not seeing Mikay films. Right. Even right, if right. you're someone who goes to film festivals, you're probably not seeing Mikay films. And that over the past maybe decade, not quite decade, probably the last like eight years or so, he's been viewed in Japan as a director of blockbusters. That all right. of his movies have been summer. Maybe not all family, but all big budget fair. Yeah. And we're over here still watching Ichi the Killer again, being like, uh, so <laughs> fucked up. And he's doing like family films and shit and like yeah. big blockbustery it's shit. So crazy. And I I don't know anyone in America, even the people I know in America who are latecomers to Mikkei, they're still like thirteen assassins or Harakiri or You know, one of the other movies we're talking about, Blade of the Immortal. Right, right, right. Those movies are the movies that people are like thinking of him for and not these other movies that, like, you know, who Mm. even knew that he was doing that stuff. So, anyways, what about you? Was I.J. the Killer your first
0: Yeah, well, I got to Mikke through because I already was big into J horror at that point. So I'd watched, you know, Dark Waters and like uh, all those other like uh, movies that would eventually get, you know, remade but with white people in them but like you know sure uh, sure again uh juan you know the grudge like all these movies uh what's another one i loved a, a movie called um save the green planet have you ever seen that one
1: oh my god yeah yeah yeah, now, yeah was that korean or japanese
0: i believe that was japanese but i could be wrong it's been so long since i've seen it but i was already collecting these things because in chinatown there was this one shop there where this. Like it was weird, like all these kids would go there after school and would play Pokemon, and the dude who ran it was just this really nice guy, and I'd go in there and he would just tell me what to buy, and so sure. that's how I saw you know Save the Green Planet that's how I saw like other movies that i'd at the time I forgot who
1: told me about Save the Green Planet, but I actually found a copy at uh the princeton record exchange oh, so and good. it was not approved for the u s oh wow. Uh, it was like a different region but i had already turned my dvd player into a region free dvd player with the nice. ch- with the cheat code right and so, so you I got were in it. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i loaned it to someone and they never gave it back
0: fuck that shit so i don't dude. currently own it. that movie amazing but like movies like like dude movies like that i'd already been seeing a lot of that stuff and then ichi was the first one sure. that uh, i managed to find and i watched it and i was like yo this is not what i want to see at all this is a bummer like it's, just all the weird rape shit and the misogyny in that movie. And so my definition of Mike went from that to audition. And I was like, yo, this dude is like a wackadoo. You know what I mean? Like, And then I saw Visitor Q and Happiness of the Categories. I forgot. I have seen
1: uh, Visitor Q, and it's really good.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got through that because uh, I worked at the TLA video at the time. And uh, I, it was recommended to me like, oh, you like these horror movies? Why don't you watch these things? And so I started watching Mike that way. And um I'll be honest with you, it was a lot to take. It was a lot to take. You know, I mean you're going from movies like uh um let me think, Junk. Remember Junk? Oh yeah, sure. And sure, like sure. like these weird Asian horror movies that are just so extreme and so like kinda weirdly poorly shot. Even I put in uh, you know, uh what was the zombie the um Guitar Wolf movie? Oh uh, right, right. Wild right. Zero, yeah, you know, yeah, movies yeah, like yeah. this. And it's like, you know, they're just kind of funny, but they're kinda of gross and you know, I, I, and, oh, the Guinea Pig Zero movies and all that stuff. And Mike was kind of like just kind of an extension of that to me. Like, ah, just kind of gross out horror, you know. And um, just like you, 13 Assassins is the one thing when I read about it. like, Side note, I,
1: I wanted to check on something. I did see that movie Waru that he put out in 2006. Oh. But I didn't realize it was him. I saw it at a fest. I saw it at Philly Film Fest, I think, or somewhere. Right. I saw it somewhere out and about and only afterwards I was like that was mikee that was kind of tame for mikee yeah. but it wasn't
0: too long after that that 13 assassins came out dude 13 assassins when that when i like you i read about it before i could see it and when i finally saw it i realized that it is like the perfect melding of what i loved so much about j horror of the time and actual like kurosawa like japanese filmmaking you know what i mean like yeah. like the weird traditionalism mixed with the element of a knowledgeable and working horror Foundation. It's kind of crazy that he put out Thirteen Assassins in twenty ten, then Harakiri in twenty
1: eleven. Oh wow. And then Ninja Kids in twenty eleven. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. feel like those three movies changed his the view of who he was in America. Yeah. Even though before that some of these other films on his filmography are a little bit different anyway. And the one that I think kind of did it in Japan, at least from this thing I watch, was The Great Yokai War in two thousand five. Oh. Which is like a YA adventure movie right. and imagination and stuff. It has weird nightmarish elements to it Did but nothing it? like rape or shit no just read about it um and, uh, you know a Mike film without rape or shit to me
0: <laughs> it's like unbelievable but it's
1: but that's like not real that we basically his filmography has been growing and changing and we just don't get to know about it we don't yeah. get to see lesson of the evil for love's sake shield of straw wow not fucking know these movies yeah i never Your heard Dead of these Body, things. Uh, as the gods will. I have no clue.
0: Yeah. That's the cover amazing. of the lion standing in the will looks like a children's movie. Whoa. So, anyways, you know what I mean. I mean, but and then I mean, we're but pretty we're pretty on top of what's coming out. I'd sure, like to think. And sure. Sure. Being that we can't find these things or we don't even know about them, that has right. got to say something, right? right? Like we're not out of the loop. We're, we're we're in there, you know. But um, Blade of the Immortal. So let's start with that.
1: No, let's start with the other one because uh, we should go chronologically.
0: Oh, okay. Sure. Happiness of the categories.
1: Yeah, don't you think? Or do you want it yeah, to start yeah, no, with Belly Morris? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, I, so I think Happiness of the co- Categories is interesting for us to talk about because as we said, though our view of Mike was limited not by his actual output, but by mm. what was made available to us. Yeah. Um it is true that before Happiness of the Categories, it looks like most of his output is genre. Like when you're looking at this, you know, Dead or Alive, The Guys from Paradise, um, uh, Audition, Silver, Ley Lines, these are still gangster films. These are still, a lot of them are straight to video. Um, you could say the first movie, maybe outside of that, is probably The Bird People in China, but we were never going to see. No one in, I don't even think it was popular in Japan. You know what I mean? So uh, something about the happiness of categories, it's like. It really changed, I think, for the people who
0: were paying attention, who Miki was as a director. Yeah, because it's like the most, it feels like J-pop to me. Well, and
1: even though it's a low-budget film, and it's a film that is um, unbelievably weird, which we'll get into in a little bit here. Uh, famous people in this movie. Two rock stars in the movie. Yeah.
0: Um, the one guy, the 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 bicycle cop guy. He was in Survive Style 5 with um uh Vinny Jones. Have you ever seen that movie? No. It's a Korean movie with a bunch of intersecting like vignette kind of stories, yeah. You know? Sure. And uh he plays is really uh a- he's one of these three gangster robber guys. That movie is actually really really good. I one time showed it to Mike mcturnan cuz he was like I want to see something weird. And I showed him that movie and he was like Halfway through he was like, I just can't do it, man. <laughs> I was like Well, oh. so uh so he's great. So
1: uh Kenji Kenji Sawada, which I might be mispronouncing. Mm-hmm. He is literally like the the uh Ooh, one sec.
0: <coughs> Do it sneeze. God bless you, may the Lord bless you. Sorry, listeners. He's the Paul McCartney of Japan. Whoa, <laughs> really? Yeah
1: i did not know that he
0: you know wait which one is he in the movie the dad the dad okay
1: he was in so in japan they had this scene and i'm trying to remember what it's what the term is but it's basically a bunch of bands who were like beatles ripoff bands right and this scene uh produced a lot of bands like the spiders and the Uh whatever this this and the other thing and uh he was in one of these bands so like he brought a lot of uh kind of like um clout to the production and a lot of star power to the production um yeah. uh also it's you know i don't know that people were used to seeing genre musicals
0: or even musicals yeah. in general let's talk about this like how did Japan. you feel about the music when when it started being a musical because it doesn't really present as a musical right like sure take me to where, where you were at when happiness of the category starts playing and you get this weird claymation intro See,
1: i kind of knew about the musical aspect <laughs> so the the music kicking in was fun for me yeah i assume it's supposed to be funny Um, I watched part of the, after I watched the movie, I watched part of the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. When they're recording these songs, they're fucking losing it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Although that's how people describe Mike's sets, that the way he can get away with doing so much horrid shit in his movies is is partly because the set is funny, that he like (laughs) feels bad. I mean, the thing about Mike is like he pushes the envelope, but he's not a crazy person. He's like a very business-like, director who's just like let's just get this done and a lot of what he directs is not he's not like a auteur which i think we assume Uh. because his movies are so fucked up almost all of his movies are something someone wanted him to direct for them he was like a director for hire it's just he like does his own thing so this was supposed to be a straight remake of a korean film really oh you didn't know about this no oh yeah it's called a quiet family oh um and it's a dark comedy, again, about a family who has a guest house and people keep dying and they don't want anyone to know, so they hide the bodies. Mm. Comedy. <laughs> he just decides, oh, we're making a musical. That's amazing. And the producers didn't know, but they knew Mikkei was trouble. Everyone knew that Mikkei's movies were done under budget, very uh. quickly, but that he always did what he wanted, and if he didn't like it, fuck you. Right. But he's mostly a director for hire. Doesn't do his own scripts for the most part. Only occasionally he's uh. like doing what other people want him to do. He just then takes the material and is like, "But it's like this now, you know." <laughs> so that's what it was with *Happiness the Categories*. He's yeah. like, "We're gonna make this a musical, and, we're and gonna cast here we are—musicians who don't know how to act, and we're gonna do this, that, and the other, and it's gonna be about this." So the claymation thing was his own thing. Yeah, I think I think the clay, starting with the claymation. I think is supposed to help us realize we're in this weird, dreamlike, that, that not to expect reality. Uh-huh. That what we're about to watch is like cray-cray. <laughs> and that that's on purpose. That he knows what he's doing. Uh-huh. Um, and I think it did help. As soon as you're like, there's a weird
0: angel thing that's eating this woman's throat. <laughs> that <laughs> sort of made me go, okay. Uvula coming happened. out and it's a heart shape. Uh so genius. Can we talk about how brilliant that shit is? God damn. And then the you know, even the concept
1: of the family that here they are with this guest house, they're kind of on the edge, they're trying to make it work. And people just keep dying. They just keep dying, and it's a bummer. <laughs> I love that. I love that that's yeah. part of the story. I think it makes it a lot of fun. Yeah. I don't know. I just really, I really appreciated that. So the music to me now. The problem with watching a musical in Japanese, we're gonna miss all the wordplay. Yeah, I mean, there's a few things like, uh, so the plot for you, for those of you who haven't seen it, I don't know why you're listening to this. have seen it, but <laughs> those of you who haven't seen it, a, a family has a guest house. It's a big move for them. In the family, there's uh the grandfather, the two parents. Then their kids are both mostly grown up. One is kind of a juvenile delinquent who yeah. just got out of juvie. The other one is a uh, mom, Divorcee. A divorcee who has a daughter. She's kind of a mess. So they're a mess. So <laughs> this whole thing is like the family starting over. Yeah. And they moved out here and made this guest house,
0: basically a bed and breakfast. with the, Under the premise <sighs> that there's a road that's going to be built.
1: Right. But there's no signs of the road yet. Yeah. And so that means there's no guests yet.
0: Right. And they're like
1: sort of on edge about it. And they finally get a guest. And that dude kills himself, <laughs> and it's clear when he shows up something's wrong with this.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And then this starts a whole pattern of people dying. Then there's a the sumo, a sumo the wrestler girl. shows up with an underage girl. Yeah. Who he proceeds to have sex with, Mickey movie. Yeah. Then he dies on top of her,
0: and then she and dies. and she
1: dies just from being crushed by him. Yeah. So then they bury those bodies. Uh-huh. Then the woman is there's a con man who's trying to seduce yeah. her, also played by a famous musician.
0: Richard uh, yeah, 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 yeah yeah yeah
1: also yeah so uh and then um uh he drinks from the local lake which is poisoned uh-huh definitely poisoned yeah. and then it's got all gets in a fight with fish. the grandfather who knows that he's no good
0: and then cuz he does a cartwheel and their ashtray falls out of his pocket <laughs> right <laughs> um
1: just to give you an idea there's a musical scene earlier in the film where she's like falling for this dude and at one point, she's on like so a spinning great. thing, and her dress flips up, and she doesn't have underwear on, and, and they the just put a heart. cartoon yeah. heart over her JJ <laughs> it's, it's that so sort of weird. movie. Yeah. It's that sort of movie. It's just Dude, it's all the so musicals. Bizarre. I mean, if you ever watch a musical, obviously the musical... The music portion of a musical is an emotional expression of an internal reality. That's it's not a re- happening but in it the still real serves
0: world. the narrative. It's still And that's
1: basically what's happening in the, this movie. It's just the narrative is so fucking crazy yeah. and weird that the musical portions then become also even more crazy psychotic, and weird. even yeah. more weird. Um and it doesn't help that like he in the special or it does help. He didn't let them practice. He wanted all the people to look like they didn't know what they were doing. people, yeah, and yeah, yeah. the fact that most of the family is from music or musical theater, except for the grandfather, who's also famous, but he's a famous actor. Uh-huh. He could not sing to save his life. If you notice, every song has an off note. It's always the grandfather. That's so great. So like he's so on one good. hand, he doesn't let them practice the dances, so that all the dances look bad. He, the one guy, can't sing at all. Like, he's really, like, sort of messing with your expectations of what a musical is. But I think the songs still work. It's just when you're watching a Japanese musical, you're not going to get the wordplay. Yeah. And in the same way, so um, they're sort of hitting a pattern where people are showing up and dying. So at a certain point, this family shows up. And I think everything about the family is supposed to telegraph to the audience that these are people not long for this world. Right. But... They're using cues that are not obvious to an American <laughs> audience. Like the girl's playing a recorder. I guess that's scary. The little kid is coughing. Everyone is yeah. kind of hunched over. Right. And I don't I'm like, what am I supposed to believe right now that they're going to commit mass suicide? They, but the but the response from the people who own the guest house is like right. they're scared. Like they're looking at these people going, Oh these, man, are, these are gonna die right who now. Yeah, die. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> so, so um to sort of finish off the plot synopsis. The whole time, all this weird stuff is going on with the family. There's also a local volcano that's sort of causing trouble. Yeah, um, They keep having to bury people. There's a musical scene where the zombies come to life. there's not real. It's just sort of representing their struggle. <laughs> so good, though. Struggle. And then finally, the police show up, and they think the police have shown up for them, but it turns out their latest guest is a guy who murdered his girlfriend or fiance. Mm. And um, right at the point where that is resolved, the volcano explodes, and then- all, the cops and the killer, dude, they're all dead, basically. Yeah, and the house is moved via lava <sighs> to a new location <laughs> that's much more attractive, and then it ends in a big musical number. Yeah, but you get the feeling that this is not real,
0: right? Uh, that they're all
1: dead. Yeah, that the happiness of the categories—it's—it's it's almost like this illusion. Well, we don't have to get into what it's about yet, but what are some of your thoughts regarding this movie, That the musical aspect of it, the humor, all that stuff? Does it work for you? Does it not work for you? Yeah, it
0: very much worked for me. I really like the musical aspect of it all. It's such a dour story that, like, you know, it it reminded me in part of... um, Dancer in the Dark by uh, Lars von Trier, where uh, Bjork disappears into these musical numbers with it's, less with less abuse, I think. Yeah, much less abuse, but still fucked up, right? Yeah. And like this, re- definitely reminded me of that. But I thought it was awesome. It's it's definitely of the Mike movies, it's one of my favorites. I
1: mean, there's large sections of claymation, so the, dude, the the claymation
0: know. fight with Grandpa and Richard is hilarious to so me. It's so good. It's so great. And then like when Richard shows up later with like the big eye and all that stuff, like it's genius, man. Brilliant. I think it I think it really works.
1: I think in the end the movie seems to me to be about um I don't know, culturally or cinematically or whatever, but the idea that This group of people's happiness is somehow more important than everything else that's going around them Uh because, like, they're doing horrible things and they're justifying it by, like, they just want to be happy.
0: They just want to be together. And the 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 only
1: rational human in the movie is the little girl who never says anything as a character, but then has these speeches at the beginning and at the end. Mm. And at the end, she's just kind of like, oh, and in a year, grandpa died. And, uh, you know, we're humans, and we're just going to die like everybody else, and we don't matter, and soon natural selection will kill us off. But in the meantime, we're just going to live life the best we can with, you know, uh, artistry and dedication. She she has a specific line. I forget what it is, but basically sort of the – she's both highlighting the dignity of human experience while reminding us it doesn't matter, which usually you have to choose, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the idea is either human life has dignity, which is sort of the – ethical, religious sort of model that we matter. Or it doesn't. We're just animals like anyone else. And so the animal you just ate, there's no difference between you and him, and any sort of uh, weight you give to your existence is bullshit. Yeah. Mike's like, both of these things are true. <laughs> and honestly, is that different from his movies? I mean, here's the thing. So many of Mike's movies have rape have mm. scatological things, have yeah. maybe some gross sex. I mean, a big section of this video as I watched was about how uh, Miki eschews eroticism, that his uh. movies have sex in them, but they have no sensuality, that sex right. is always about Violence awkwardness and, yeah. or being uncomfortable or humor or even like character development, but never... Uh, to tantalize you. If there's ever anything that's blatantly sexy, it's going to lead to a joke or to a fucked up moment. Mm -hmm. That never is he like trying to, uh, he's never trying to turn on his audience. He's always using sex for some other reason. Um, So there's, in other words, there's a certain darkness to all of his movies. Mm -hmm. But you could argue that a lot of his movies, not just movies like Ninja Kids or War of the Yukai or whatever it is, that all of his movies also have moments of deep um sentimentality.
0: Yeah. And, yeah, and sure.
1: nostalgia. And just I mean, I think I think Ichi the killer is dark. Yeah. Uh, but in the end, I mean the idea that
0: like Well, there's like the weird like notion that Ichi's also kind of an innocent. Right. You know what I mean? And like that weird, like, even though he's doing all these horrible things, he's unaware. You know? Or and, even
1: like uh the guy looking for him is this masochist. He's not yeah. a sadist. He's a masochist.
0: And he has his mouth cut open with the gold yeah, rings. And, and all he's that.
1: looking for the perfect the only person who can be his perfect sadist is the one, one who, who killed his, yeah. his his master. You know what mm, I mean? Yeah. Like, there's something like a loveliness to that, the, the motivation <laughs> of that. Even Dead or Alive, the first one is way less awful than the second one. Um, the first one is still also a bit sort of nostalgic and sentimental about yeah. its characters, even as it is filled with awfulness. I, the only one that I have trouble seeing, even though it's about innocence, Audition is the one that I think ends with the toughest note of like...
0: yeah. Of like the... Now
1: I've never seen. He did a he did a uh, installment of Masters of Horror. Did he? That I'm told is so terrible that Showtime never aired it. Wow, they wouldn't. They just refused. You can only see it on the box set, uh, or to find a copy online. I'm sure, but huh. it was never put on TV because and you know some of the other ones in Masters of Horror are like really fucking disturbing. So the yeah. idea that his
0: was, was the only that, one yeah. so
1: fucked up they if wouldn't like, show nope, it. Nope, not doing it. But. I mean, all you've got to do is check out, I mean, I still think there's something sentimental about a lot of these movies, or maybe I'm saying sentimental, but I also mean ideological, Mm -hmm. or maybe not ideological, but uh, idealist, you know, there's something,
0: um. Not meant to be horrible.
1: There's something human in movies that are often very inhuman, Mm -hmm. um. But that explains to me better why he can do some of these other movies that we don't know him for, his mm-hmm. family films, right. his touching things. Even a movie we're about to discuss, Blade of the Immortal, I'm sure a lot of that is not him. It's based off a manga, mm-hmm. so it's hard to know what's Miki and what's from the manga. Yeah. But even that movie ends with like a, we're going to stick together yeah, moment yeah, yeah, that yeah, we'll yeah, talk yeah. about in a sec. But So I think what's great about the happiness of the crowd of Coris is he adds a lot of schmaltz to uh quiet family story. yeah like quiet family is a black comedy
0: so it's not played as funnily or as Cata- whimsically
1: categories is in oh. some ways less comedic because it has less jokes right but in some ways it's more comedic because of the goofy over-the-top mm-hmm. musicalness of it yeah so that's kind of crazy
0: right it like, really I, is I, I, it really is such a weird like it's a it's a weird duality mm-hmm to to his filmmaking. Sure. And it's actually one of the things that I resonate the most with Mickey that makes me think like I'm a mickey fan. You know what I mean? Sure. And it is that duality. It is that like sense of like A and, and B simultaneously yeah. existing in the same moment. But yeah. so. he's
1: going to uh <clears throat> he's going to push something in you, but uh but it's not just to make some sort of dark point. He's not mm. just trying to be like fucking up your day. Yeah, which I think is how people sometimes think of his films, and I think that's unfair. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. It's again, we definitely uh, need to watch more
0: Miki movies that we can find.
1: I I mean, uh, but to put it another way, I think we definitely. I think there's more to be said about Miki as a director and thematically as a director. I just don't know that we are the ones to do. (laughs) I don't know if we're- Not yet. I mean, A, I think we need to watch more of his film. I mean, dude has 101 movies. Literally has directed 101 Uh, projects. that's so many movies. So there's a lot there for us to watch and either enjoy or hate or whatever. Yeah. Um, But I think also there's so much going on in the happiness of the categories that is hard to connect to. Mm. Uh, Do you think because of the cultural divide or- uh maybe i'm exaggerating i don't mean hard to connect to but um i wonder if there's a little if there's a layer of satire we're not getting because, because it's
0: lost in translation
1: yeah these cultural figures don't mean anything to us yeah and yeah, yeah. we don't know as much about what's going on there but that being said I, i'm saying all that just as a counterpoint to what i want to say which
0: is that it's value, a highly amusing movie yeah it's, it's amazing. fun and weird yeah. and um just crazy it's psychotic whimsy Yes, exactly.
1: Very whimsical. Very. To me, whimsical. it's
0: like when Boris put out new album. Do you remember? You know Boris, mm-hmm. and you know when new album came out, it was right after Heavy Rocks. Yes. So I was just like, woo, "You're going from stoner rock to J-pop." Yeah. In the distance of one album, like yeah. that's what this movie felt like to me. But Boris has always pushed those envelopes. Yeah, but
1: I mean, and so is Mika. But you know what I mean. Like for this movie, it, it's such an interesting difference
0: between this and his uh, and video. the stuff that was released yeah, at yeah, the time yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. versus what come out what's come out now, his yeah, current yeah. product, which his latest
1: movie. So, um, uh, according to IMDb, it's not quite his latest, but it's certainly the latest available to us, which is Blade of the Immortal. Blade of the Immortal. Based off of a immensely popular
0: manga. A long-running manga.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in which there's a character who um, undergoes a tragedy, uh, fights a bunch of dudes, <laughs> ends up basically almost dead, and this witch- uh, Puts his blood Puts his bloodworms in, in him that makes him basically immortal. Yeah. Later on- Again, because of this witch, he connects with this young girl who it reminds hurt, him
0: of this yeah. one loss that he's had in his life. So then he decides to help her get her vengeance. Yeah, and her vengeance is basically there's a school of of samurai sword players, samurai called yeah. The, uh, Ichiryu. Yeah, and they're they're shutting down all the samurai schools.
1: Yeah, they're basically just murdering all the other schools with the idea that every school should be their school, and their yeah. school seems to be. Uh, Almost like Bruce Lee, no rules, no restrictions, just win, and always fight one-on-one if you can. Right. Uh, Later on, we learn a whole backstory to why it's that, and the connection of that to her family, Uh and- The guy who is, ostensibly, as the movie begins, the head villain, the big bad, becomes more and more sympathetic
0: towards the end. By the end of the movie, you get to understand his motivation.
1: So most of the movie is episodic in a way you expect a manga adaptation to be. And the pacing can be a little frustrating in
0: that way. Especially considering you're taking, like, like literally like a 10 year long manga and you're mushing it into two and a half hours.
1: So there's a lot of like unexplained. Yeah. Like you'll be in a scene. You think there's a logical next scene and it's all not... of a sudden it's nighttime and they're facing a bad guy and you're like, yeah. how did they you're even like, get to so this wait moment?
0: Minute. And what does that guy have heads on his shoulders all the time? Like, yeah,
1: this is not uh, a lot of the characters and, and anyone familiar with a uh, comic or book adaptations know this. Some of the characters you're not given their backstory. Yeah. They're just, they give you the But all the
0: earmarks are there. Like, they have the burned face, or they have, like... They give you, basically,
1: the uh, caricature of that character, Mm. and they hope you can connect enough to have some idea of who they are. There's a lot of distinctive looks and weapons, so it's not like you get people confused, because they're all weird, so you're like, oh, this guy has this weapon. (laughs) But as far as there being more to that character... Now, it is based off a comic book, so it's entirely possible that...
0: There is a lot more to each of these characters.
1: Yeah, or there's nothing. Like, it's very... When you're writing a comic, you could just have a character show up and... It's like this guy has a two sided axe. It's like, okay, it's the yeah. axe guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. And I wish we were more familiar with the source material. Only because Mike is such an interesting director, I'd love to have a better idea of what's him and yeah. what's the material. But it plays off almost like a um like a standard like older, younger team up. Yeah. Um and we're gonna go out and what it's really clear that he's never invested in training her to kill anyone. Right. That's sort of the idea. She doesn't
0: even stab anyone in the entire movie. He's her
1: bodyguard, and he's training her to kill. Yeah. As the movie goes forward, it comes clear and clear. He doesn't care about training her. her. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: It's just she reminds him of his sister who died tragically, maybe partly because of his fault. So Um, he's just going to help her by just murdering all these people. Dude. And every time, what's weird, and it's never really talked about in the movie, is he's kind of a cheater.
0: Yeah, and he's kind of not a good sword fighter too.
1: Well, no, that's what I mean. In that, multiple people he fights beat him, but then they don't beat him because he can't die. Yeah. So then he murders them.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: it's almost like, in that sense, a meditation on like the fact that he can't die
0: is actually his only advantage in any of these fights, which is kind of cool, and it kind of suggests like, well, uh, you know what though, the first scene, the opening scene, he kills an entire army by himself. And this is
1: before well, he's got the worms. I wonder if part of the issue is, and he mentions this a little bit, as he's you know he's been basically post death with these blood worms for yeah. about fifty years. When we meet up with fifty two years. Right. Um, there's also suggestion that healing that what sucks about this version of immortality is that you don't go back to full. You know what I mean? Like we've yeah. seen versions of immortals like vampires. You right. shoot a vampire, they, get and a they hole. come back.
0: Yeah, and they're fine. My man
1: is covered in scars.
0: He has a missing eyeball.
1: Yeah. yeah, and you get the idea that um, the bloodworms put you back together, but it's not like a great stitch job. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So yeah. part of him not being a great sword fighter is like he can barely hold a sword anymore. Right, like right, right. He, he's not quite back to whole. So Dude, um, so really, a scene
0: where he gets his eyeball cut out where he just goes, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> And I always thought that was... I've seen it twice now, and every time that scene happens in the beginning,
1: I was like, yeah, that's great. I mean, there's a moment where he, in a fight chops off his own hand because Ugh, he it a gets stuck in like a spike connected and then to a chain after he like beats all these dudes and he heals up the rest of his body he starts to run off and then has to remember like oh right oh wait, my, my hand. hand and he tries to get it out from like a tree Uh oh, that's like a whole thing so hilarious so i mean basically what's going on is this school is colluding you think at first with the shogunate and yeah. it feels like In a lot of ways, like a standard political drama of these two people against these powerful warriors, but the turn it makes that I thought was actually brilliant and really great is that the shogun doesn't give a fucking fucking fuck about your school or whatever. Yeah, that that it ends up that the The government
0: assassinates all the teachers betrays them betrays
1: them in a very dirty way where you start to feel with the people who you've been rooting for them
0: to get slaughtered by yeah 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 what is his
1: name micha micha
0: uh i forget the name forget the name the immortal dude
1: he's been killing these dudes
0: micha i think yeah
1: micha you you've been feeling for him you've been on his side then it turns, and it's not that you're not on his side anymore, but all of a sudden you're like you have a
0: weird sympathy for the Ituriiu. Yeah, and yeah. and a
1: feeling of like, oh right, like squabbles between schools are not as important as being the lord of the land. Right, like the shogun's kind of like, oh, are you guys not getting along? <laughs> I don't care. I'll just murder everyone. <laughs> you're just all gonna die. But then the the satisfying thing is then at the end we get to see this character who we at first hate who we've come to appreciate in some ways murder a bunch of dudes at the same time so they yeah. basically there's a final scene where it's
0: a huge fight ensemble yeah. fight
1: and there's a from the immortal guy to the girl he's like yo we could just leave like, yeah we could just be done with this yeah, yeah, yeah. or i could just kill that guy or if you hate these these i'll kill it like what do you want yeah and her whole thing is like look you just protect me. I don't care about anything else. And he's mm. like, fine. So what that means is now they're going to fight this giant army of dudes, mm. him and the girl, mm. although she doesn't really do anything.
0: And she doesn't really stab anything. anyone. And then the she head, head of the girl.
1: school, since everyone else got murdered at the school, mm. and they're going to fight. And the whole thing with the guy at the school, we didn't really get into it, but his great grandfather was kicked out of a school for using an axe Yeah, because it was considered a foreign So. Injecting that note about oh yeah, Japanese folks like don't like foreigners and have all right. these like prejudices about it. yeah, it kind of brings a little bit of sympathy and the fact that then he murders all these dudes using that with weird the axe. axe. yeah that
0: axe is so weird. It's too. so heavy too like he's all it's slinging on basically his shoulder like a big heavy hook it looks and the like, inside of the hook is sharp all the way around. it's not it we looks say like axe a field hockey thing
1: it looks like a piece of bone that you might use to pick your teeth
0: right 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 except does, for giant it's huge heavy. and yeah, super yeah. heavy yeah oh man
1: so uh, okay <laughs> um the pacing is not great
0: no it's not it it has a couple like that jump where you get to the guy where he's just yeah. like years ago when i held you yeah it's like yeah that happened two minutes ago yeah that's years now like i thought it was the same night yeah it's going on and on and on in that
1: in that way like it just it has to it has to cover so much material
0: and goes and, so quickly yeah it's and hard you know to what? keep up and when i heard about the two hour and 21 minute runtime i was like this is gonna be a fucking long movie but when you realize that that's not nearly enough time to tell the story the way it's supposed to be told you know you're like oh shit and
1: it's a i mean it is very mikay uh in that one of the things Mikei excels in is portraying violence. Right. And so a lot of the story is around the fights. There's less of the, there are occasionally, but there's less of the conversations, yeah. meals, fishing. You know, right. like yeah, these, there's are, like, these are little details. The thing he wants to show you again and again is, is a bunch of people. Blood spurts. And oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's not as gory as it could be considering whole armies are getting awesome. massacred.
0: It's so great. Dude, that first scene is oh, so yeah. good. It's in black and white. It's It's so awesome. It's,
1: so, um, if you're a fan of fighting, <laughs> this is definitely a movie for you. Yeah, if yeah, are yeah. I feel like if you're already a fan of the manga, it seems okay. I mean, maybe not. Maybe there's something you would wish. But as someone who hadn't read it, I felt like, well, now I kind of want to read it because it seems interesting. Yeah. The characters, it's hinted that they're interesting. And all the performances I thought were great, actually. I
0: thought that the girl was really, really good. The, the I even
1: like there's a there's a member of the Ito Rio who's also immortal. Um, mm-hmm. and ends up introducing this like poison for the blood worms. For, that he got from walking around in tibet yeah. yeah i actually liked that actor i liked his portrayal i liked his voice like yeah. everything about him was cool um but just no one in the film is given that much to yeah. do because there's
0: so much
1: yeah so, so I, I don't know it's maybe it's what did, not what a what did great Mike film but what did you think of the leader of the Ichirayu? I thought he was okay. I mean, he's not a great actor, but he was. I thought what he was supposed to do, which is be um, kind of quietly menacing, he yeah. was pretty good at.
0: Did you think? Or for me, I, I always think it's funny to me when they get these badass villains, in, yeah. In specifically in these newer Japanese karate you know samurai flicks where the bad guy is like this strangely like not menacing on the outside looking dude but then he's like the sword expert but it's always like i think this is not just a new thing i think this has been a tradition has it yeah i mean i noticed it in like azumi is the same way azumi 2 is the same thing and this one and then uh there's another one where like the baddie was like i think it happens in anime a lot the is effeminate it? murderer. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, I think also you could make an argument uh, all the way back to Seven Samurai. Oh. That the best swordsman is a little bit quiet, unimposing. I mean, yeah. what do you call uh, the wild character who would later be Yojimbo, that actor? Yeah. I forget his name. I forget his name too. Um, He seems more menacing at first, and then you realize he's a goofball. Yeah. The guy who's the best swordsman of the group is just quiet and yeah. kind of reserved. Technical. Maybe not quite pretty. Like, this, these characters are a little bit more chosen because they're also... They look like pop stars. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But, uh, but I think that's still related. It's the idea yeah. of the person who... Is quietly and suspiciously menacing. Right, and no one's not afraid of this dude. A lot of times in those movies, those characters, then
0: you assume they're not tough, and then it turns out know, like, this
1: dude. Everyone knows he's tough. Like every yeah. time he shows up, no one's like, "Oh, oh this guy that. looks like a wuss." Yeah, everyone's like, like, "Oh God." Okay, check out
0: lipsticks over there. No, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Gosh, yeah. No.
1: Um, it is definitely a caricature film, though, like in the sense of like, um, a lot of these dudes are. You get to know who they are, and ladies. By their weapon or a weird haircut. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? That, that that that's how this movie rolls is more like. And again, maybe that's because it's a manga. Maybe that's like the how the manga was written is like yeah. this guy's got crazy hair. <laughs> now he's gonna fight the triple axe. You know what I mean? And and one of my favorite sort of the film is obviously gonna be cartoony because of the overtop violence. Yeah. And the fact that this dude is immortal and he's got all this weird healing stuff. But the joke that is so comic booky but it works in the movie is all the weapons he yeah. has so many weapons he has so many weapons in his jacket that
0: looks the part, the part looks where empty. he gets
1: stabbed and he throws his arms down and all the weapons fall out of yeah. his kimono <laughs> so and
0: you just great. see this pile of weapons on the yeah, back. yeah 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 awesome Sick so funny so and funny and the
1: weapons are crazy like weird hooked swords yeah, they're double like the, sword
0: the, they're like they're on chains some of them oh, yeah. and then the the girl's got that triple staff thing that shit is oh, awesome
1: yeah. the, it's interesting because i think we don't associate or at least in my life, I don't associate crazy weapons with samurai films. Right, think of you it just more just as a kung katana. Fu, yeah, more of a kung fu movie thing. Kung mm-hmm. fu movies tend to be, you know, or, or to be more specific, Japanese films uh, tend to be more focused on samurai, and samurai is about the perfection of the katana. Right, it seems like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Kung Fu movies it can be more like weird
0: golden this or all yeah, like, oh, special with the golden claws, arms, that. arms kind of like yeah, 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 you yeah, know yeah. that kind of like intricacy in the weaponry kind but of But I thing. like that uh, and this is a theme I think for
1: uh Mike in general he likes telling stories about outsiders within a certain context, whether yeah. that's a movie about a Japanese gangster in Taiwan or a movie about an outsider community in Japan.
0: Right, right, right.
1: In this movie, the immortal dude is an outsider. Yeah, he just can't Ito die. Rio are outsiders getting revenge, really, which isn't clear at first. You just think yeah. they're bad guys, but as it goes on, you realize that they are weirdos. Yeah. It's like the revenge of the weirdos.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. then
1: you realize, um, or at least I realize, is like the reason I can be with. Uh, the two main characters by the end is that they're sort of saying like look it's not that your revenge isn't justified it's yeah. that you didn't need to hurt me that
0: way so right. I'm gonna do what I need
1: to do but she also doesn't she lets him go
0: yeah yeah
1: as long as she's got the immortal dude by her side then she doesn't really all care yeah. she's just yeah, like yeah, yeah. see you later uh-huh. but it's also a very comic book thing to let let him go so he can get yeah. his revenge
0: so good so good So did you see the, the Rurouni Ken Shin movies? no So um, the Ruroni Kenshin movies came out a couple years ago, and like this one, they're from a manga or from an anime. Yeah. But um, in that movie, they went through the great lengths to make these actual actors look like the reference points. Sure, sure. Where, I mean, I'm I'm sure that, like, if I were to look at the manga, like, uh, Blade of the Immortal dude probably looks exactly like he does in the book. Sure. But in that movie, they have, like, these comedically large weapons and, you know, super, like, hair- Hey. Hey.
1: What time is your train again?
0: 2.16.
1: We should probably wrap up. Okay. It's kind of far away. Sure. Oh hey everyone, hey everyone! <laughs> so this is just us scratching the Mickey surface. I think we can promise you into the future we will more be watching Mike more Mickey movies. We'll watch some. We'll rewatch some of the things we've seen before. I'd like to rewatch Ichi the Killer, a movie I did not enjoy. No, first we should, watch saw, it again. we should watch but we'll it together. We should watch it together. Watch it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll uh, cover some of the movies. You know, before audition, he had like 30, 30 <laughs> 35 films, so movies. We yeah, can, we can find some of those and try to watch those. I mean, I think we it, got a guy. We the, we with know a internet, person with the internet's now. We can catch up on some of these Mike films, and and hopefully that'll be interesting for you all. Yeah. Uh, we also are interested in what else you would like to hear from us. We right. are not a super interactive podcast. We don't hit you guys up for info a lot, but mm-hmm. I'd love to know what is it you want to hear about. We want the show you, to be interesting for yeah. you. What do we'll, you want to hear us banter on? You want to hear us talk about something you love? We'll do that. If you want to hear, you want us to go out and do the well somewhat of the research <laughs> the searching for something that you're curious about but you've never seen yeah, yeah, yeah. just hit us up hit us up on social media email us cinepunks at gmail um we're on twitter @Cinepunks. at cinepunks. we're on facebook cinepunks it's just look up cinepunks let us know what it is you want to hear about on this show um other than the obvious which is we should do more episodes
0: right 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 but we're working on it we're working on it yep and uh yeah so big thanks to you for listening please rate review and subscribe please tell your friends please order
1: a t-shirt uh and check out some of the other shows on the network that are really great we love them
0: and we love that they're a part of our family and we love you is there anything that you're looking forward to liam coming up um uh well um anything you want to hype
1: I don't know if I can go yet, but everyone should go to the Exhumed event on December 9th. Yeah. We're We're not sure if we can go, but it should be cool.
0: They're showing the final four movies that they didn't get to show at the 24-hour horror marathon. Yep. So it's going to be pretty fun.
1: Oh, and then December uh i think there's a show in philly on december 4th as a uh, concealed blade oh yeah it's a band i like a lot it's a bob yeah. wilson show uh I at love, the fire yeah i like bob the lineup is pretty good i again don't know if i can go because i have a baby but if i can i'll see you there and you can punch me in the face and that'll be great awesome all right we gotta go i gotta get josh to the train station yep i gotta Thank, go home big thanks to josh for coming up to easton and not making me go to philly <laughs> and that's that
0: all episode right. 72 smoke right. bomb bye